Good morning. It is a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. That would make me Glenn Clark and him, Griffin Bass. Much to do on a Wednesday edition of the program. Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios are up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. A lot to do on the show coming up in a little bit. We'll catch up with our buddy Rob Long, Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan, and more importantly for us, also, of course, you see him on Masson. We'll talk some Orioles with him. He doesn't know it, but we're going to have him play Would You Rather Wednesday as well. Also on the show this morning, Andrew Voorhees. Very interesting, very compelling, very fascinating seventh-round pick of your Baltimore Ravens. It's very rare that like the two most interesting picks a team makes are their first and their last. Like, I know Trenton Simpson's interesting, too. I don't want to take anything away from him. But I think most of us were most compelled by their first and their last picks, as Andrew Voorhees was expected to be a significantly higher pick in the NFL draft, but then he tore his ACL at the Combine. The Niners did it a year ago. Their seventh-round pick was... Well, but we had no idea. That's not true. We had no clue in the moment. I knew. I knew Brock Purdy. No, you did not. He should have been first round. You're a liar. I knew that. That's who the Steelers should have taken. As it turns out, it was a very compelling pick. But the week after the draft, nobody in San Francisco was like, oh, man, we got our quarterback now. (laughs) Did not exist that way. Um if you if you if you don't know the story, so he tears his ACL, and then all he does is go out and do 38 reps on the bench with a torn ACL, cr- crutches and all, like a cowboy going out there. It was badass. Uh, the Ravens traded back into the seventh round pick after it looked like they had finished their uh, draft selections because they wanted to get a piece of him. They traded next year's sixth in order to get Andrew Voorhees, who almost certainly will not play this year, although we'll you know, talk to him about that. Almost certainly will not play this year, but uh, would be uh, available to them in 2024. And most people contend anywhere from a second to a fourth round pick had he not torn his ACL. And like some people are really bullish about it. Like, no, dude, this is a second round pick. Other guys are you know a little bit more careful that we've talked to. I think when Eric Ed Holm was on, he was like, I don't know, one... You know, no worse than 100 to 120 range. I'm like, okay, you know. <laughs> like, that's still pretty good. Yeah, it is. That's still better than – it's still worth using next year's sixth-round pick in order to get that player if that's the case. Um, but we'll talk to Andrew Voorhees. The, the best part was probably when the Ravens tried to troll Daniel Jeremiah, who said that they the, – right. like, I'll eat this right. piece of paper if the Ravens don't – the Ravens have five picks. Twitter account went after him yeah. after they did their press conference – suggesting that their draft was over, and then after that, again, he ended up being right. And most of us assumed they weren't going to have only yeah. five picks, although this isn't the way we thought right. they were going to do it. We thought it would either be them Trey using Day. their first-round pick in order to acquire more picks or using Patrick Queen to acquire more picks. They did it a completely different way, um, but they did end up with more than five picks. That part is fact. Although, again, oddly, they only have five picks that could be on the roster to start next year, so there are still some roster spots available, which goes back into the conversation we had about a couple of their undrafted free agents. 
Unlike, say, last year, where they really didn't have room necessarily, with Voorhees not going to be, since he's not going to be on the roster to start the year, you have at most five draft picks taking up roster spots. There are roster spots to be had, perhaps for a Keaton Mitchell or for a Dante Demas or insert name here. So this is a little bit different than what we're used to in Baltimore. One of those corners that they picked up, yeah. Sure, absolutely one of those corners. I mean, especially if they don't add anybody between now and then. Big opportunity for them. Yeah. I mean, I still would find that hard to believe, but you never know if they just say, we we kept thinking they were going to add a wide receiver last year. We kept waiting every day. We're like, they're going to add a wide receiver, right? (laughs) Right? Marcus Robinson. (laughs) Like, they're going to add somebody, aren't they? Aren't they? Um, Yes, you're right. They did ultimately... What day did they add Demarcus Robinson? Was, was, it was that like September first? I feel like <laughs> I feel like it was right at the start of the season. All right. Um, anyway, the moral of the story being, the moral of the story being, it was August twenty third. Okay, Andrew Voorhees is going to join us on the show, and then uh, Tavon Sadler is going to check in with us. Aberdeen native, uh, St. Francis alum. Uh, was on the staff at the University of Maryland just a year ago, not technically as an assistant. He was director of basketball ops, which, I mean, come on. Uh, but another part of Kevin Willard's staff who's gone because he got a head coaching job, he went back to his alma mater, Nichols, and uh, he took the head coaching job there. So we'll catch up with a local kid done good and someone who knows a thing or two about Maryland basketball. I feel like Jeff Ehrman is teasing us, by the way. What's he doing? And I love Jeff. Everybody knows that. That's my guy. I love Jeff. In fact, I used to host his podcast. That's how much I like Jeff. And I never got paid a penny for it, which isn't a knock. I'm not mad. I agreed to do it because of how much I like Jeff. He's a good guy. He asked me about it. He wanted me to do a couple events. I I like – oh, one minute ago. Last night on Twitter, he said, maybe the last time I'll tweet this, Hunter Dickinson's scoop coming in the morning at InsideMDSports.com. And then on the way over here, I nearly caused a crash because I kept seeing, looking to see if there was an update – on Hunter Dickinson, literally one minute ago, he finally just posted it. There's um, two, two battling it out. Uh, what's that? That's what he. That's what he wrote, right? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if he revealed. I, the I don't. Two. We don't. I don't give away. I don't give yeah, away his. Sure. I don't give away his. Uh, his pay content. It doesn't well, work. That's what he revealed way. in the headline. That there are two teams. Left well, I'm sure. I'm sure that's true. But I'm just very mad at him for the fact that he teased that out last night. And then it didn't come until 10 (laughs) a.m. Just sitting there scrambling. I wake up in the morning. I'm like, oh, where's the update from Jeff? Nope. Nope, nothing. All right, so I get down. I do do crunches every morning. I'm in the middle. I, like, stop halfway through the crunches. Like, is there the update yet? Damn it. Go back and do that. (laughs) It's running a little bit late this morning, and it's Jeff's fault. Jerk. Maybe you don't send that tweet out. I love him. I love the guy. Uh, Yes, the, 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 the... the bit is that apparently Hunter Dickinson has a podcast oh, really? that he does with Barstool Sports, uh. and he was doing his podcast yesterday, and everybody kind of assumed that would be where he would choose to make the announcement about where he's going to play, and he didn't do that. He did the podcast and said basically nothing. So not that I, I want to make it very clear. I did not listen to the podcast. Maybe it's a good podcast. Who knows? But somebody else can do that for me and let me know. It is just probably not the show for me. Although if Hunter Dickinson comes to Maryland, I'll be happy to promote said podcast if he wants to come on this program. Um, but yes, no no news yet in terms of Hunter Dickinson as uh, Maryland continues to wait word. Maybe an answer today. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, like if, 
at some point. I did see somebody tweet yesterday, like, what if Hunter Dickinson just stays in the portal forever? <laughs> like, just really enjoys the attention. He waits until a conference play starts. He could do figure out who the good teams are. Right, yeah. Because right. we know Kansas. We don't know about Kansas and Kentucky. We don't. Yet. You yeah. don't know those guys. Villanova, who knows if those guys <laughs> are going to be any good. So the belief is that it was Kansas. The, the schools he visited were Kansas, Kentucky, Villanova, Maryland, and Georgetown. Although there were still some people that were like, is there any chance that Michigan could still be back in play at some? So, like, we think it was five, but it could really be six schools that were still in on him. Uh, we will see how that plays out. I don't think there's going to be a surprise school. How wild would it be if he announced Towson today? Just oh, how wild would yeah, that be? That would be wild. That would shake That'd be crazy. Up. That would shake South up. Dakota State or something. I would uh, I would kind of love that. Well, no, not, I wouldn't. I take that back. Towson, I would love. I would not love South Dakota State. What good would that do me? <laughs> like, I how, guess nothing. Yeah. How would that help? We started an NIL collective over at Towson <laughs> to go get Hunter Dickinson. That's the way it's supposed to work. So the answer is no news. That's the point. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jeff. You jerk. <laughs> Today's show. Oh, I already did that part. Now, the other thing that matters is the Orioles did win. Getting a little sick. Rob's going to join us in a couple minutes. And I'm going to. I have to ask this question because I'm not ne- – I don't want to be negative because the Orioles are very good. But it just doesn't seem like on a night that you score 10 runs against the Kansas City Royals, you should need to go this deep into your bullpen. It feels like that shouldn't be how a game should go when you score double-digit runs against the Kansas City Royals. It feels like if you're doing that, you should be able to get through with one or two pitchers and protect your bullpen for the rest of the week particularly considering you don't have an off day ahead of the series in Atlanta. Now, that might be – there could be things that could happen. Like, it might very well be – we've talked about what could happen on Thursday. It's going to come up again in Would You Rather Wednesday. If Dean Kramer is going to get sent down, it might very well be that they say, hey, make your start on Thursday, and then we send you down. Because then you can manipulate the roster for a couple of days until – you know, you call up D.L. Hall or whoever would be replacing him in the rotation next week, right? Like, you could have – for four days, an extra bullpen arm until you make the move in order to get your starter for his next time through the rotation. There's also, of course, the world in which Givens or Tate is ready in the next couple of days, and that could fortify your bullpen a little bit. But it's it's frustrating that even when the Orioles are winning, you still find yourself saying, but it just doesn't feel like it should be like this. Yeah. I mean, I guess the good news is they didn't use a ton of pitches. Like, Cano threw 14, Baker Baker threw 14, Perez threw four. I, 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 I agree. Bauman struggled. Bauman, th- look, that's the disappointing part right. because I like Mike Bauman. The disappointing part is that last night probably clinched him being the other guy to go. It, presuming these guys are ready soon and nothing else happens, presuming Tate and Givens are ready in the next few days, then that probably – Just because he has an option. Because left. he has an option. Yeah. The the point was Bauman had to continue to pitch insanely in order to force their hand on something else. It had to be that Bauman was so overwhelming. To be fair, the same thing for Cano, but he's been that overwhelming. Ah, shame. Gives up a hit last night. A Baltimore chop. Might have to throw Ridiculous. his name in. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Right Bauman. Gonna, but it was the same story. If, you, if Cano wasn't literally insane, his name would be in this conversation too if he was just pitching well. If he was just helpful, because again, he has options. The reason why Bauman's going to go isn't because he's been bad. He's not. Even giving up a home run to Perez last night, like he's not been bad at all. But he's got an option. And so they'd rather not give up on Austin Vogt. That's kind of the reality of the circumstances. Aiken's going to go. Bauman's going to go. And it stinks because Bauman doesn't deserve that. He's pitched far better than it. But. 
unless for some reason internally they've looked around like Vos never going to get it back. And in fairness, he's pitched a bit better the last couple of times out, and I think we need to recognize that. So I think it also has helped clinch that he's not like it really needed to be that Bauman had to be unhittable. Both had to continue to be disastrous, something or some combination of those two things, and neither of those two things has occurred. Both has been functional. Right. He hasn't allowed a home run. What, the first five appearances, he allowed right. a home run in each, and right. I think the last four now he's gone without allowing a home run at least. So. <laughs> I mean, that is not a high bar. It's not a high bar. <laughs> Griffin's like, yeah, sure, he allowed 12 triples, but he didn't allow a home run, so he gets to stick around. <laughs> It's been a little bit better than just not allowing a home run. He's been functional the last few times out, whereas Bauman has not been perfect. And that was the bar that he was essentially going to have to meet in order to avoid this fate. So, again, I'm, I'm bummed because you guys know I like Mike Bauman. He's a good dude, and he's been a really good pitcher this season. The Orioles are going to try to manipulate their roster as much as they can. That's just the way that it's going to work. And I, to an extent, I will understand it. I will... I don't know if defend it's the right word. I get it. I get the decision-making process. I get the we don't want to be in the business of just giving up on players that might be helpful. I, I do. I understand the concept. I still I don't know that there's really that much to be scratched on the Austin Voth thing. Really, I'm... Starting to wonder about CNL Perez, too. I mean, they're only using him to get one out at a time. Yeah, it's like, really... I mean, but I get it. You have to have special. You have to have those types of guys in your bullpen. I do understand it. It's just what it is. But, yeah, that probably clinched things for Bauman. Um, again, I don't want to be too negative. They won. They won. They scored a ton of runs. They came. They, they rallied from an early 3-0 day. It's a reminder that when you watch the Orioles and things don't look great to start the game, don't tune out. Because this is just not the type of team that's going to be buried necessarily by giving up a few runs early on in the game. And they put on entertaining games. I mean, all year. Like last night. Yeah. Had, last night had everything. It did. A but perfect I could game do, bid. Into right. The but I could inning. do without everything. I guess is what I would say. Somebody. It might have been Russell Street reports. Somebody sent out a really good tweet last night about like an, a checklist of things that you get during <laughs> Orioles games. A bingo card. Something. Yeah, something like that. No, it couldn't have been Russell Street Report because they, of course, are a football site. It must have been Utah, Utah Street, Street Report that uh, would have put it out. Uh, hang on a second. I want to see if I can find this because I, I think it was them, and I greatly enjoyed it if it was. I thought it was a, a fun... Oh, so, yeah, here we go. This is the 2023 Orioles checklist. Fall behind early. <laughs> Check. Battle back in mid-innings. Check. Late inning butt clenching. Check. Win. Check. Well done. Well done. You got all four last night. And as the game was going on, they were literally updating the checklist. Yeah, well, you can which add, was really you, can add you know, 17 pitch at bat. You can add, yeah, Anthony can add Santander. Superman. What, what, was, what was the time in the at bat? Because well, I feel yeah, like that actually. Perez got hurt. Right. So in the I middle feel like of the, the time makes it more. It was something like seven minutes. Oh, my gosh. In a pitch, cl- pound, ca- pitch clock era. Right. Anthony Santander worked a seven-minute at-bat. And yes, part of that was that uh, Salvador Perez got hurt during the course of the at-bat, um, which is good because all he, he was doing was just us. mashing. God. So it's not good. You don't want somebody to get hurt. He's probably hit, in fantasy, he's probably hit like 25 home runs against me the last two seasons, like combined. No joke. He, Whenever he's matched up with me, he knows it, and he hits eight home runs a week. I mean, I'm playing him this week, of course. I mean... <laughs> I, I, you know what? Maybe it's true. Yeah. Maybe it's true. Maybe he he hates right me. About that. Um, look, man, I am. I, I, 
I enjoyed the game. I Yes, the Cedric Mullins catch we should talk about for forever. There is a part of me that really wants to know if somebody could definitively explain to me why I think it might be the greatest catch I've ever seen. I get it. It's probably not. I still think the Jim Edmonds catch might be the greatest catch I've ever seen. But holy F. How? The coolest part about that, it looked like a, a ultimate Frisbee type of catch, right? right? Like ultimate Frisbee, I've said for a long time, provides the most ridiculous highlights because the Frisbee hangs in the air long enough that like when you're used to watching ball sports, yeah, you do. When you're used to watching ball sports, you, you're like, oh, okay, nobody can catch that because you forget you're watching Frisbee for a second and that ball or that Frisbee is just going to hang in the air for long enough that someone that is absolutely nowhere close to it can still somehow make the catch before. It creates absurd highlights. If you just want to watch highlights, I've never attempted to just watch it. I played Ultimate Frisbee. I used to play Ultimate Frisbee every week, in fact. I was, it was not for me, too much running. Um, oh, but I, I don't care for, I'll never, there will never be a day where it makes I you feel care. like an athlete for a minute. Eh, no, it made me feel like an old guy, and I was oh. only like 28 at the time. <laughs> My late 20s, I was playing a lot of ultimate frisbee. I was my ankles could still be seen somewhere on the Perry Hall Middle School field. Um, the point, of course, being that that was that looked like ultimate frisbee. Like that looked like well, there's just it was essentially seeing, hit the right field. <laughs> you you see it you see it unfolding as you're watching it. You're like, wait a second, wait a second, what the hell? It's unbelievable, man. Absolutely unbelievable, man. Um, I have seen a lot of things that um, that was something, man. That oh was God. that was. I, I I know it's not the greatest catch I've ever seen of all time, but it is on the list. On the list and of ro- the greatest. And Royals fans will argue it's not even the greatest catch in Kansas City, probably. Well, I mean, mm. shut up. <laughs> who, who cares? Who cares? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. All right. Uh, Orioles Orioles continue the series in Kansas City tonight. Uh, yeah, Kyle G- uh, Gibson pitches tonight, yes. right? Gibson versus Granky. 20, like what, 2014 matchup? Yeah, it really is kind of a, a, a 2014 battle tonight uh, between the Orioles and the Royals down in Kansas City. Um, so, you know, look, I... I hope that they, as I said yesterday, the most important part is they just win the games. Whatever happens, they just need to win the games. Get through this series and on to this very difficult part of your schedule that we talked about yesterday. It's a brutally difficult part of the schedule that's ahead. Just get your wins. But it would be nice to not have to use as many guys. To your point, sure, some of those guys didn't throw as many pitches, but it's still a question of how many games can you put them out there for consecutively, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it would just be nice... If maybe your innings eater would eat some innings tonight and also win the game. I know that's asking for a lot to do both things, but it would be nice if the guy that you hired for the purpose of eating the innings would, you know, eat the innings. That would be a swell thing to do tonight and try to uh, rest up that bullpen a little bit ahead of a weekend in Atlanta where you assume you will probably need a bit more of your bullpen than you would need in Kansas City. Fair? Can we all agree to that? Can we all? Can you get them to get on board with it? Can we do something about that? Can you get in touch with them? That's what it is. So, anything else news-wise that we needed to cover? Was there anything else yesterday that was significant? I did watch both basketball games. Well, I didn't really. I gotta be honest with you. I did not watch. Once I saw what the Heat were doing last night, I was kind of like, eh. 
I'm good. And, and then it was bizarre. Around, yeah. Well, it was bizarre. Not only they stuck around, they hit what 16 threes, something like that. And you're like, yeah, Duncan Robinson, and they were leading. And you're like, dude, if the Knicks lose this game, they might as bad. well just not even bother to make the trip to Miami. They might as well just say, hey guys, gave it our best shot. We'll we'll see you next year. For their sake, they won the game. God bless them. That's what it is. But if the Heat get Jimmy Butler back, then they are still, to me, the overwhelming favorites to win that series. Um, they basically just sort of said game two doesn't matter, and it doesn't, really. When you go on the road and you get the win that you need to get, game two really did not matter to them. So I think they made the right decision. If they can get Butler back and all is good, you feel very strongly about their chances of beating the Knicks. And then, I don't know, like, the, I have no idea what to make in the, the Warriors-Lakers series because the Warriors have been just weird. And in moments, right, like they're down double digits with five minutes left last night, and they come storming back and tie the game up, and you're like, well, that's that. They're going to win only to give the ball away and then have Jordan Poole chuck up a 40-footer. I love the heat check I, well, he, with 10 well, seconds no, no, the, left. The first one I was okay with. Yeah. Like the, fir- the first half heat check when he was just knocking everything in, and he's like, well, let me see. I, I don't care. Go, go right ahead. Do that. But the one at the end of the game where he's just tossing it up because he's convinced they can't run an offense when Steph Curry is double teamed and so I'll be that guy, that's absurd. Now, I don't blame the Lakers either. The Lakers just essentially said, somebody else. Don't care who it is, somebody else. It ain't going to be Steph. And I don't know why more teams don't do that. This like pride thing that exists in the NBA. I Was it, was it Bomani a few years ago who said... I'd rather lose than play zone defense. And I was like, like what what are we doing here? Like what is this mono a mano I've got to be able to man you up thing, like this ego thing instead of just, you know, trying to win a basketball game. I I don't know why more teams don't do it. I don't know why more teams don't just say, "Look, I get it. These other guys are capable, but they ain't Steph Curry." So we're taking Steph away. And if that means we literally have to run two men over to Steph Curry and leave Wiggins open, we'll do that. We will live if that's the way this works. I'm stunned more teams don't do that. So credit to the Lakers for making that decision, for putting pride aside and saying we're not going to let Steph Curry beat us tonight. I, I think that's that's the, that's right. the thing, right. right? Like, I think that's the way to go about doing it. I also have no idea what it means to the rest of the series. I really don't. I don't know. Yeah. I, if Anthony Davis can play like this, 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 is, this is the eternal truth, right? Praise LeBron James all you want. They don't win even the bubble title, whatever you want to call it, the Mickey Mouse title. It's a real if, title. It's not. If Anthony Davis doesn't be Anthony Davis. And... The difference right now ain't LeBron James, as good as he is. It's Anthony Davis playing like a monster. That's their chance. Their path, and their only path, is Anthony Davis playing like a monster. And last night, he was unbelievable. I mean, he was an absolute force. Kevon Looney had been a monster in the first series, right? And then totally neutralized by the presence of Anthony Davis. If Anthony Davis plays like that then the Lakers have every opportunity, I mean, really every opportunity, to win that series and, frankly, to win the NBA title, which would just stink. God, I kept thinking last night about what if it was New York, L.A. God. No, thank you. The the Knicks? I don't think the Knicks can, so I'm not really all that worried about it. I I did have that thought run through me last night. I tweeted about it, like, that in a way, 
it would be fitting for it to be Miami LA right so yeah. that you could have a real series this time and like you could actually get a real champion and all that sort of stuff from it like it would be I don't know a little bit poetic if it worked out that it ended up being Miami LA I just don't I'll never I'll never be the guy that wants it to be LA admittedly uh, I don't know if people know this about me I was such a Shaq fan that when I had no team before I moved to Phoenix when we didn't have a team growing up that I just rooted for whoever Shaq played for until ironically ended up in Phoenix and then Look at how all that worked out. Um, but admittedly, I rooted for those Lakers teams because Shaq was there, right? Like, I just, that's that was my guy. I rooted for Shaq. But it, outside of that, I, like all good Americans, know you have to root against the Lakers. It's just the way that it works. Yeah. This I is, mean, this I, is, I don't mind LeBron, like rooting, so. I don't mind. It's, not, it's nothing personal. I have no issues with LeBron. He plays for the Los Angeles Lakers. You can't root for them. It's the way that it goes. Oh, I should be embarrassed in hindsight for the fact that I rooted for them when Shaq was there. Like it's like rooting for yeah, the Yankees well, I mean, or Notre know. Dame or something like that. Well, it's, you can't. I, no, it's like that. It is. I guess every it's just bandwagon a hole roots for these teams. I guess so I don't have a true NBA team. I understand the feeling because I, you know, I never did until like the the until the Suns until I lived in Phoenix and found one. I get the feeling. It just can't be the Lakers. You can pick whoever you'd like. Become a huge Oklahoma City Thunder fan. Be a huge Nuggets fan this be, week. Be, you know what, man? You're going to be very happy. <laughs> it's going to be a very fruitful time for you as a Nuggets. You think I'm going to be mad about that. Nope, I've already made my peace, Doc. It was so funny last night when they were tweeting out, well, Chris Paul might not be back for, in, for game five. I'm like, game five? <laughs> Who are you kidding, game five? In what universe do you think there's going to be a game five? What, do the Nuggets just give up and not try in one game? They're like, all right, we'll let you have this one just so we can get the series back to Denver and clinch it there. Stop. Uh, that was the word is that Chris Paul would definitely be out for games three, four, and five. But again, I don't think they're going to have to worry about that. I don't think there's going to be a game five in that series. It's just kind of what it is. <sighs> All right, today's show also brought to you by, uh, this one's brought to you by PressBexOnline.com slash offers. Sports betting. For the first time ever, you can bet on your phone during baseball season here in the state of Maryland, so why wouldn't you take advantage of all of the best incentives and offers from PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Like, for example, you can get five second chance bets from PointsBet when you deposit and bet your first $50. But you got to click on the PointsBet logo at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers in order to take advantage of that particular incentive. Joining us now, you hear him every morning, Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan. You, of course, also see him on Masson as part of Orioles coverage. He is our friend Rolo, Mr. Rob Long, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, brother? How are you? I'm hanging in there, man. How are you? I'm all right, dude. I am, uh, you know, I'm a tortured Phoenix Suns fan, and I was just laughing about the idea that they were saying that Chris Paul would miss a game five because I watch games one and two. There ain't going to be a game five. That's not going to be necessary. <laughs> Th- this is going to be over quick. He won't have to worry about missing game five because there- you scored 87. 87- 80, you got Kevin Durant to score 87 points in an NBA playoff game. Man, first of all, Chris Paul must be his luck in playoffs are horrible. How many times has his playoffs ended because of a Chris Paul injury? God. That's number one. Or or, um, or Scott Foster showing up. One or the yeah, other. You're right. Um, so that alone, and from my understanding, 
Uh, Booker will probably be back next year. Durant will be back next year, but not this fall. So, you know, he's probably going to end his career without getting that elusive championship. And I got to be honest with you, man. I mean, to me, in the playoffs, KD is great, but others, others around him are great. I just don't, I don't see KD. I've never, I've never questioned KD's talent. He might be pound for pound the most talented player in the league, or at least top three. But what I question with him is his grit. Uh, KD's one of those guys who out, he will out-talent you, but can he out-will you? I don't, you know, when he was with the Golden State Warriors, he was around other champions, other champions who did the other things. Um, I don't, I don't, I've never put KD in a category of get on my back. I, I, I get um, it, man. I do get it. Joking. Yeah. You know, he's not, he's not a get on your back guy. I don't, to be honest with you, I'm glad to see Anthony Davis doing what he's doing for LA because he's never been a get on my back guy. He's, Anthony Davis is the kind of guy, he needs Batman. If he has Batman, he's the most talented Robin in the league. So, Anthony Davis, if he plays like this, legitimately the Lakers can win the title, right? Like, the crazy part is, if yeah. Anthony Davis plays like this and Jimmy Butler plays like he's – if he can come back, get healthy, and play like he's been playing, you could legitimately end up with a 7-8 matchup in the NBA Finals and a rematch of what happened in the bubble because those two dudes have been complete 100% game changers during the course of this postseason. Now, let's talk about get on my bad guys. That's Jimmy Butler. Yep. It's unbelievable. Jimmy Butler is one of the more ultimate get-on-my-back guys. That dude, my goodness, he's, he's one of my favorite players in the league. He's here for all the smoke. He's not trying to make friends. I don't want to go to the All-Star game because they don't want to play basketball. That's Jimmy Butler, man. I love him, man. I just, I just, he's not, he's not the best player in the league. But sometimes he manages to play better than anybody. Does. It's unreal. It's unreal, dude. Like you just keep watching. Like who? Who is this guy? As soon as the playoffs come around, <laughs> it, it's it's a little bit Kawhi esque, isn't it? Like I feel that's it is that that you you don't know how to define Kawhi Leonard's greatness, right? Like how do you possibly is he one of the ten best players of this era? I think, but I don't know that. But what I know is when the playoffs come around. He's he's maybe one of the three best players of the era, and I feel like we're getting to that point with Jimmy yeah. Butler. Yeah, I think you are as well. I mean, put it this way: Jimmy Butler's one of the best playoff performers in the league. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt, man. He delivers in every single moment. All right, I promise that's not why I brought you on. I was just lamenting the fact that being a I know, Phoenix I know, what fan. you can't, you can't, dude. Bro, I am. I. It is so difficult being a Phoenix Suns fan. Like I, I know it was tough being an Orioles fan for a long time, but imagine convincing yourself a few times ever since I became a Suns fan. Oh, we got a chance. <laughs> Not gonna be the case. But they got DeAndre Ayton, and that's nice because he can stand around and watch everybody else go for a rebound. So we got that going for us, which is a fun thing. Uh, Rob, we do a silly. I, you don't know that I'm gonna make you do this. We do a Would You Rather Wednesday every week, and one of my Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios is gonna go into a conversation I want to have about the Orioles. Uh, one of them this week is, Would you rather DL Hall, or sorry, Would you rather Dean Kramer make a starter scheduled on Thursday, or it's time put DL Hall on the rotation, figure out what you've got there, and go from that. I'll let you begin this conversation. I want I want Dean Kramer back in the rotation because. I love the log jam of having a successful Dean Kramer and a DL Hall who's ready and, and having more guys 
are eligible for the rotation, then you have spots in the rotation. I don't want to eliminate being trainer. I want to create more of a long term because there's so many guys that are ready. Because eventually those guys that are ready that aren't being used will be used because we know five-man rotation means we need about eight or nine people ready for it. How do you handle, though, it's a month into the season and you've got one decent start from Kramer, which just so happened to be about, you know, the, against the worst, maybe the worst lineup in all of baseball. Like, as a team that's trying to win and is winning successfully, let me be very, it's not just they're trying to win, they're winning quite well. Right. At some point, don't you just kind of have to say, hey, as much as we want this to work, we have to acknowledge that it's not working. You're right. You, you do. Glenn, I'm 110% with you. It's just now is not the time to do that. It's too soon. Okay. The team is rolling right now. You're playing great baseball. The, number, the second best win percentage in all, all of baseball. He's not hurting you yet. You get to the point where you feel like his lack of uh, productivity is starting to wear on the, the rotation and the bullpen. Then you make that move. You don't make that move right now. You want this guy to bail out. You want this guy to, 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 to be able to play his way out of it, pitch his way out of it. Because that also sends a message to the rest of the team, knowing, you know, I might struggle a little bit, but at least they give me a chance to play my way out of it. You have to. Dean Kramer right now is probably one of your more accomplished starters in terms of what he did for you, especially last year. You have to allow him a couple of more starts to pitch his way out of it. Mid-May, he's still sticking it up. Then you start thinking about making a move. Yeah. You can't do that after April. What do you do? Rob Long is with us here on GCR. What do you do about Tate and Givens coming back? It, I, I think everybody assumes that one of the answers is Aiken. Again, assuming no one gets hurt or something like that happens. I think most of us are assuming that one of the answers is Aiken. I, I hate it because he's pitched so well, but just because he's got an option, I know he gave up a home run last night. Does, does it look to you like Bauman probably ends up being the other guy to go? Hey, somebody better look at CNL Perez. I know, I know, man. But he doesn't. Have, but he doesn't have <laughs> options, at, and you know, you know they don't like giving up on guys. Yep. Like you know they don't want to just run the risk. And I think Perez's talent is enough that if he gets DFA'd, someone would give him a shot. Uh, Bauman is, is going to be a couple of weeks before we see those guys, unless you heard something that I didn't hear. But it's going to be a Bauman's going to have a chance to pitch better than he did last night, giving up those three runs. That's not Michael Bauman. If Michael Bauman pitches close to what, the way he pitched before last night, how do you send Michael Bauman back? Bro, the answer is, you. I don't know. That's I, I don't know. Keegan Aiken, okay, I'll hear you. I'll listen to you on Keegan Aiken because, as you said, he does have an option. That's his option. Yep. I, I, man, Michael Bauman, if he comes back swinging it, if last night was a hiccup and he's that dude, he's dangerous, man. I mean, he is scary. Honestly, he when he's on, he is scary. You talk about having, you know, uh, more options to start you know, start games. Don't let that guy have to pitch three or four innings out of relief because somebody stuck up the joint at the beginning of the game and right. proved to you that he can still go. I, I like Bobbin, man. I, I like too. everything I've seen with him, with the exception of last night. Um, he has to give me another performance like last night for me to say, okay, I see it. I, Other I, than that. I'd be right. I'd be very critical of that move, I, bro. I would be too. I, and I, I don't like it. I just, I do understand that, like the guy, the the answer was both, right? Like that was the answer. He's been awful, but I also get it. 
he's pitched a little bit better the last few times out, and he was so good a year ago that they don't want to give up on him. They, I, I understand the difficulty of their circumstances of we just don't want to give up on guys that we don't have to give up on, and we'd rather manipulate the roster in order to protect as many guys as we can. But, man, I... Bauman's been so good. I, I completely understand where you're coming from. The, I want to go again. These are good problems. Yeah, go ahead, Go ahead. And I question whether or not they still have that mindset of giving up on guys, man. They, they, they got a guy in the offseason this year that they gave him a couple of stars and sent him to the minors. Yep. Uh, that's, a, that's a move that the Orioles wouldn't normally make. So I don't know. You know, uh, it, it kinda, it's kind of like that football team. Ravens always do this. Oh, until the Ravens get desperate, then they don't do that anymore. So mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know what the Orioles are when they feel like they've got a chance. We have not seen this regime make moves for a team that was this good yet. So we don't know whether those are the moves that they would make. That is fair. You know what? It is a, this is the first time they've been presented with this situation. And I think it's encouraging for them to do things that maybe they wouldn't have done in the past. I kind of wrote about that for press box two weeks ago that like, if they were to keep Mike Bauman and and not keep uh, Austin Voth, that doesn't prove that they're going to spend you know, $200 million to keep Adley Rutschman around. But just doing things a little bit differently than the, than you're used to would be a promising sign for some of these other lingering questions we have, like, hey, are you going to buy out arbitration years? Are you going to do the thing that they did with, in Arizona with Carroll? And are you going to be that team that says, hey, these guys are going to stick around, just seeing them do things slightly different? And to be fair, like spending money internationally, we have seen the Orioles do things slightly different. But to continue to see that would go a long way into getting us to believe, hey, there are other things that they might do differently than what we're used to in the coming years. I could agree with you more. I think, I think but we, as you said before, we've got to see those things. Yep, yep, just the way that it works. Got to see it to know, to know that it's possible. All right, Rob, um, because I've, I, I want to do this, and I keep wanting to talk about, like, these are good problems to have. Griffin and I have been talking a lot in the last couple of weeks about the pending logjam of infield prospects that the Orioles have. And we got yeah. our first taste of this when Joey Ortiz showed up last week. And it's a, a, I can only say it so many times, it's a great, wonderful problem for the Orioles to have, right? Like, you can't ask for a better problem to have than having so many guys. But this thing has to start coming to fruition in the next couple of months and it feels like Mateo's situation is at the top of the list where the dude has been otherworldly. Like, I've never seen anything like this. But do you change everything about your plans and say, we've got to build around Jorge Mateo because the guy that we've seen, I mean, this is MVP caliber stuff that we've seen from Mateo. Or do you have to still say he's probably more valuable somewhere else as a trade chip knowing what's coming with the Westbergs and knowing what's coming, Prieto, Jackson Holiday, Norby, the list goes on, Joey Ortiz, that's still behind him as far as infield prospects are concerned. Again, I think sometimes we got to switch out our thinking. Uh, we still, I think the, the phrase that was used by uh, Michael Elias was liftoff. Everybody thought liftoff meant let's go out and spend a crap load of money. Right. When to me, liftoff meant that now is the time. That's how I interpret it. Because I don't think the Orioles right now are in position to spend that kind of money. So if liftoff is the message, then why would you make your decisions on what's going to happen versus making your decisions on what is? Let me go back to Joey Ortiz for a second. I'm a, 
maybe I'll plant a seed. Maybe you thought about it already. We saw Joey Ortiz come up and play what three games and have four RBI or four games and have yeah. four RBI with three in the, three in his first success. appearance. Yeah. <laughs> Was that a showcase? Huh. Okay. So you I mean, think about it. Okay. Why would you? Why would you send him down and bring up Kyle Stowers now? Well, I got the the idea I mean, that he was up because they were facing lefties, right? That they were manip- uniquely trying to manipulate their lineup because they were facing three straight lefties, right? Okay, and the kid, but the kid showed you he could hit, no doubt. But you send them down. Now I'm not questioning that they didn't see what we saw. I'm questioning what was the real reason you bring this. Well, and even still, let's say Glenn that it wasn't the reason they brought him up, but when they got him up, they thought, huh. That just to me, it almost it almost felt like a showcase. That's right? interesting. No, it I did. think it's an interesting uh, argument. I said bro. that for the time when, when I saw the notification that he got sitting down. My my my, my reply to that was, "Huh, that's strange." I, I think I think <laughs> what strange. I think what fascinates me about it is like that. I can understand the argument of, "Hey, there's just not going to be a spot here." And it's it's not going to be Holiday, right? You're going to have to make a spot for Holiday. Obviously, Henderson's going to have a spot. Right. So you start doing the math on who's going to be the odd man out, and you just see ahead of time it's going to be Ortiz, who everybody knows, to your point. Everybody knows the defensive side of Joey Ortiz. The, the word is of all of right. these dudes, of all of these really high-level prospects, the word all along has always been Joey Ortiz is the best defensive player of anybody in this group. So you know that. But what you don't know is if what he's doing with the bat at AAA is real. So let's bring him up here. Let's show you that it's real. And we want you to really start treating. We know that you've been asking us about Westberg. We know that you've been asking us about Gunner. We, we want you to know that the guy you should be asking about, because the guy is available to be had, is this guy. It's a very compelling argument that you're making, that you're trying yeah. to say, hey, just, it, go ahead. I'm just speculating, because it just seemed a little weird to me. It just seemed... It seemed too strategic and well-placed. It, it didn't seem like um, that was something they just reacted to. It seemed a little bit more proactive than reactive. I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't, it's, boy, man. But are you, are you committing then, is what you're saying, that the, the way you change your mind is Mateo is no longer a trade chip. You are buying in and you are making Mateo a centerpiece moving forward for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, not yet. Okay. Not so fast. Yeah. I want to see. I want to see. Hor- I want to see Mateo. What his numbers look like in June. Um, if he levels out and, and becomes this two seventy five, two eighty hitter, I'm cool with that. I, I think that's be great for him. Um, if we see more Mateo going to a month long spiral when he's batting two twenty, two thirty, then there's some pause to me. There is. I want to see Jorge Mateo's. Worst week okay. or two week run to be maybe two forty, two thirty, but that's a two week run, not a four week run. Right. And then that next two weeks, if he bats two seventy five, two eighty over that stretch, I'm cool with that. I just don't want to see him nose dive. I don't want to see him become the, the undisciplined hitter that he has been in the past. Right. If he can avoid that, if he, if his expected, if his batting average for a two week span is two twenty. But his expected batting average over the same time is 290. Okay, we're good. We're good. Because we know the analytics of that. But if he's just not, if he just looked lost at the plate and not getting it done like we saw him do last year and the year before, nope, I'm not, I'm not buying into it. I, I, as much as I'm having fun right now, 
uh, I'm having fun because it's entertainment. But at the same time, I watch baseball long enough to know that there's some there are a lot of frauds in April. Sure. And I'm not saying he's one. There are a lot of fraudulent teams in April. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying the Orioles are. In fact, I'm more willing to bet you that the Orioles are fraudulent than anything. Um, but I've seen it happen. I've seen this movie before. So before I invest in his future, I want to see a little bit more of it. I think it's fair. I mean, I I completely I, – I think probably the Pirates will ultimately be frauds, right? Like, I – I, I think that's the most likely scenario, but I think it's fair to say you want to wait it out a little bit later on on Jorge Mateo. All right, yeah, uh, I'm going to wait it out a little bit, yeah. Before I let you go, I'm going to run by uh, – you got to play my other Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios today. Um, would you rather the Ravens make one more move this offseason, they bring back Marcus Peters, or they make one more move and they sign Leonard Floyd and stick with the guys they have right now in the secondary? Oh. Leonard Floyd, what were his numbers last year? It's it's really funny. He's been far more productive than I think people realize. The last two seasons, last year he had nine sacks. In 2021, he had nine and a half sacks. I'll go with Leonard Floyd. Okay. And then the last one. Give me that pass rush. This is is when, like, you, me, and Bachman used to sit around and do dumb would-you-rather scenarios. This is going to fit in that one. Uh, <laughs> Rob, you've got somebody found that you've got some overdue library books, and uh, you're going to be sentenced for it. The judge, it's a really unique sentence. One, either for the next 50 days, every wor- room that you walk into will have a chirping fire alarm smoke detector that cannot be fixed. Oh. Or, oh. or you can give up any one toe. Oh. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I can't give up the I can't give up the digits. Bro, you're telling me you're gonna go ahead and sign up <laughs> for that level to, of tor- Bro, that is torture, man. I'm that is to with the chirping. I swear to God. We were, I'm, we were, giving up, I'm giving up I'm giving up chirp all you want. We were we were talking to Pat Ricard yesterday and I guess where the room he was in had a chirping smoke detector. I thought it was out here. And I was losing my effing mind, Rob. Like, I was a step away from Howard Hughes peeing in bottles and, like, storing him. And I was going absolutely insane. (laughs) It is a level of torture that I can't compare anything to. I'm pretty sure I would just have to give up the toe. Um, uh, Rob, when you back, when we see you again on Masson. On Masson, I come back. I got a long stretch that begins next week. Okay, next week back on Mass, and of course every yeah. morning on the Big Bad Morning uh, Show, one hundred five seven, the fan, uh, and and pulling double duty right now because Jeremy ran off to Jamaica, so uh, Rob's got to make up for all of it. Uh, are yeah. You you don't you don't have to make up for his beard, right? You don't have to try to grow that out. That's not I don't think. No, I'm not, no, I'm not still trimming a beard. No, 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 no. He had a beard on TV. That's at, my rule, not theirs. I understand that it's not a Yankees situation. <laughs> at, at Rob Long Sports. No, not that's how you follow him on Twitter. Love you, brother. Appreciate you doing it, man. Let's talk again soon. All you right. are the man, Glenn. Any time, buddy. Thanks, All right. Rob Long with us here on GCR. Appreciate him doing that. All right. Uh, get your responses in. Those Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios are up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Was that somebody important that was calling in? Or uh, gonna... Yes, it was one of our other guests. He said he's good with uh, the original time that we, we, that we had him down oh, for. Oh, this was the one that's joining us later on in the yes. show? Okay. Yes, yes. Huh. Yes. All right. As long as that's yeah. the case, <laughs> all good. That was a little surprising. It was. Yeah. I, I. That's okay. I was a little bit more worried it was somebody else that was. Like, oh, that was. You know, I don't want to say more important, but like you know what I mean. Somebody else that 
I would be very disappointed if I found out that we missed on right because like, we were doing Would You Rather Wednesday with Rob. No offense to Rob, who I love, but it would just be a bitter pill to swallow yes. if that's why we missed. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. One of the yeah. you know other people that uh, might be on the show. That was what I was worried about there for a second. All right, when we come back in, we'll go over uh, our responses to Would You Rather Wednesday. And then Andrew Voorhees, Ravens' seventh-round draft pick out of USC, is going to join us as well. Expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels, heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available more at ajmichaels.com. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Harford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Harford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get, so get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along in hour number one of today's program. If you haven't signed up yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. We have an awesome contest running right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash contests. If you have not seen all of Maryland's minor league baseball parks, this is a great chance for you this summer to go check them all out because what we're giving you is four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams plus an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and 
a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around to all of those parks. Now, you got to be 18 or older to enter. If you're not 18, then just, you know, ask somebody in your house who is 18 to enter for you. The sweepstakes ends June 14th. So you still have time, but don't forget about it. Don't say like, ah, I could go next week. No, no, no. Don't forget you're going to run out of time at some point because we want people to actually be able to do it during the summer. Pressboxonline.com slash contest. And we're doing this in partnership with our new print issue, which is available right now and uh, celebrates the pipeline that still exists. Despite, you know, Adley and Grayson and Gunner getting here, there's still an awful lot of talent coming in the Orioles system, including Jackson Holiday, whose illustration is there on the cover. So in concert with this new print issue of Pressbox, which you can get at your neighborhood Royal Farms or any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox, read it all, pressboxonline.com. You can go see all of this talent this summer, courtesy of your friends at Pressbox by registering at pressboxonline.com slash contest. What more can we do for you? What more can we do for you? Pressboxonline.com slash contest. Um, uh, I have not... There, there's been this thing that's been floating around this week on social media, and uh, Jeff just asked me about it. So apparently somebody who works, one of the higher-ups at ESPN, and I don't even know what the the context was, but presented the idea that he believes that Mel Kuyper Jr. should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame over the course of the weekend. And it started with, Somewhere it started with Seth Markman, who is an ESPN executive of some sort. I don't know where he uh, uh, was. Did an interview with Front Office Sports, I guess, talking about the draft, and said, "quote There is no NFL draft on TV without Mel Kiper." Unquote. He quote He's an institution. I think he should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame for what he's accomplished and what he's brought to this TV event. Unquote. Now it's interesting because. We will call, there's, I think it's called the Pete Rozelle Award, um, exists to recognize media members, broadcasters specifically, because there's another award for writers. No, the Pete Rozelle Award is for the uh, public relations staff. So I don't remember what, there's an award that exists. Pro Football Hall of Fame Broadcaster Award. Let me see what it's called. It is also called, how about that? There are two different Pete Rozelle Awards. Really? What do you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. The Pete Rozelle Radio Television Award, most recent, recently won by Howard Katz, who is the chief operating officer of NFL Films. Others that have won include John Facendo, who is famously the voice of NFL Films. The autumn wind is a radar. Um, Joe Buck uh, has won it. Dick Ebersaw, who uh, is the producer of NBC and Sunday Night Football and all that. Andrea Kramer won it once upon a time. JB, James Brown has won it. Al Michaels has won it. Jim Nance has won it. Chris Berman. Legendary broadcasters. Also, ironically, Len Dawson won it, which makes no sense because he was already in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but he was a broadcaster after his playing career, and he won it for that. Uh, Leslie Visser is a former winner. Dan Deerdorf also, again, speaking of somebody who did... He was already in the Hall of Fame. But the point being... We, what we do is essentially say when somebody wins that award, it's like the Ford Frick Award in baseball. You're not actually enshrined in the Hall of Fame like you were a player, but we kind of reference it. like It's this wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing where we now say you're in the Hall of Fame if you won that award because it gets recognized during Hall of Fame festivities. 
you get honored during the course of that weekend. Um, who was it? It was um, God. Who was a recent Ford Frick Award winner that I feel like we talked to, and I, you know, we we talked about them like we were. They were. I was like, congratulations, man, on being a Hall of Famer. Is the way that we typically say it when somebody wins the Ford Frick Award. I don't remember who it was. Eh, maybe it wasn't the Ford Frick Award. There was something that happened. <sighs> it was going to drive me. Tim Kirkshen won something and was oh, recognized yeah. at the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And we, I do remember we that. We had him on that. and we yeah, celebrated yes. and we talked yes. about him being a Hall of Famer. But he wasn't actually enshrined in Cooperstown. Like, you wouldn't go see... Um, you know, I don't even know what they call a plaque, whatever, but I think it's it's more than a plaque. But you, would, you wouldn't go see him recognized that way in the Hall of Fame, but he was honored in that way. However, as I say all of these things, interestingly enough... It was just a career excellence award from the Baseball Writers of America. Well-deserved. Yes. Well-freaking-deserved. And by the way, they, I, that might be just something they do every year. I know they do that in football every year where they also pick a writer who gets recognized similarly, and we kind of make it seem like that makes you a Hall of Famer as a writer. And we definitely treat the Pete Rozelle and the Ford Frick Awards. The Ford Frick Award, I know John Miller won once upon a time. Uh, Chuck Thompson definitely, yeah, definitely won. And um, yeah, in more recent years, uh, Hawk Harrelson won it. Al Michaels won it. Like we, Pat Hughes has been with the Cubs for forever. We, we sort of say that you're now a Hall of Famer when you win that award. But you're not actually enshrined along the players in the Hall of Fame. The suggestion from Seth Markman of ESPN is that Mel Kuyper deserves to be recognized among the players. And there is precedent for this. We do this with commissioners, for example. For some stupid reason, Paul Tagliabue gets to be recognized with a bust in the Hall of Fame like he was a football player. But he's not the only one. I believe, uh, boy, uh, one of the Sables was recently... Oh, this is going to drive me nuts. Uh, Steve Sable. Steve Sable or Ed Sable. Which one? I think Ed Sable was honored. Nope, Steve Sable was enshrined as a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So Steve Sable, who was, you know, an integral piece of NFL films and what helped make us fall in love with football and what, like, NFL films really deserves credit for the NFL kind of becoming America's pastime because it allowed the NFL to exist beyond the season. That we would find ourselves, Griffin, this won't really mean anything to you because of your age, but we would find ourselves still watching football content all throughout the year because of the work that NFL films did to create these end-of-season videos and shows. It used to be appointment viewing every year when you they would announce, like, now's the time where the yearbook shows would come out from the following year, and ESPN would run them one after another um, on a weekend, and it would be the yearbook for the Cardinals last year, followed by the other, the Dallas and all the other teams in the division. And you would wait, despite your fact that your team stunk the year before, this, this show, this yearbook video that they would make, would make you believe that one game that they happened to win was the turning point for the franchise. You could convince yourself when the Ravens stunk in 1996 that the fact that they would make it, they would make a Hollywood movie about the one game where they beat the Steelers at home late in the season, and I had that, that should give you hope that next year is the Ravens' year because in a Hollywood way, they made a movie all about the one game that they won in an otherwise trash season. And you would find yourself all offseason saying, that's the proof. That's, 
See how long did they do that? Was that? Oh, I think they still make those. Still, I think. They, what they, did they, they do just, for the 2008 Lions? I don't know. That's a great. That is a great question. I don't know how they did that. Um, but I get why Steve Sable was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame because NFL Films was that significant. It really was. It that does set precedent for an argument related to Mel Kiper getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as an enshrinee, not as a broadcaster. And it's a fascinating argument. Seth Markman's argument is that this thing that the NFL draft is would not exist without Mel Kiper once upon a time. That he was so far ahead of his time. Quote, there is no NFL draft without on there is no NFL draft on TV without Mel Kiper. Now it is on three different networks. It is the marquee event of an offseason. It's one of the most marquee television events of the year. Not just in football, but in sports, arguably, in all of television. Considering no non-sports events really register anymore. Like Even the yeah. Academy Awards don't register the way they did once upon a time. It's one of the marquee events of the entire year in television. It's a fascinating argument. And one that we can't measure against, like there's no way to measure it against the value of a player. Is Mel Kiper more deserving of being in the Pro Football Hall of Fame than Steve Smith? I, I, I no idea. Would another Mel Kiper just have come along and the NFL draft would have always become this no matter what? He just happened to be the guy? Maybe. But he was the guy. He was the one that kind of drove this year-long interest in the NFL draft. And now the fact that there are hundreds of people who have jobs specifically related to covering the NFL draft exists in large part because of Mel Kuyper. It's driven more scouting jobs throughout football. Once upon a time, scouting in the NFL was subscribing to a scouting service. This is a straight shoot. I don't know that people understand this. And it's not... 50 years ago, it was still, for some teams, 20 years ago, that you didn't have these intricate, you know, 20 people deep scouting Who departments. travel around and go watch college football. There was an independent scouting service that went around and sent their information to all the various teams. So everyone had the same grades, more or less. Kind of, yes. Yeah. Now, you might have a key group of a few people whose job it was to watch the film, your front office, like, and that might have included one or two people who were sort of experts, a college scouting director and uh, you know somebody else, and those guys might have traveled during the course of the year, but having regional scouts and area scouts and this deep in your scouting department, that's still a very modern thing. This was a scouting service that people subscribed to, and it's kind of why the combine was what it was. It was the same concept. Well, then that's just the place for the medicals. Like now we got to get everybody together so that the independent group can do their medicals and give you the medical information, and the independent group can run the tests on the field and give you that information. It it was all done by this sort of independent scouting service. I think there's a strong argument. Yeah. I think that, again, with there being, if there had never been precedent for this, if the Hall of Fame was nothing but players and coaches, or even players, coaches, and owners, but I do think owners starts to teeter on the argument for 
why Mel Kuyper could be deserving. If the Hall of Fame was nothing other than players and coaches, then I would I think that we would say no. Like, there's just that's not the way this works. But given that there there are contributors in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I think there is a strong argument for Mel Kuyper as a Pro Football Hall of Fame. When did he first start like covering the draft and and especially for, on television? On television is yeah the, yeah right. Like because he started, I think he did. We've talked about this. We've done a couple different uh, cover stories about Mel, Mel Kuyper over the years. Um, he first appeared on ESPN in 1984. Jeez. So it's almost 40 years ago when he was still in his early 20s. It's so funny. It's Man. it's so... I, I forget that like his alma mater is listed as Essex Community College because he just that's he just did this. Like his relationship with Ernie Accorsi led him to just doing this, and he made uh, clearly a hell of a life for himself just doing this. And there are regularly times where it was discussed about the idea of a team hiring Mel Kuyper. The way that like in recent years Lewis Riddick has been discussed, and others have been. Obviously, Mike Mayock became a general manager, right? right? Daniel Jeremiah now, like. But but some of those guys had football. Daniel Jeremiah he was, was a scout, correct? Yeah. Like yes. he had worked his way up through team. Mike Mayock had been a player and had worked his way up through. Mel Kuyper has never done any of those things. He's always been one thing, a draft analyst who in his early 20s was put on ESPN because he was the guy studying the draft and nobody else was doing it and built what we now know as a primetime event, a major television event, a network TV event. I think it's a strong argument. I really do. I think it's a very strong argument for Mel Kuyper to have his name at least brought up in the room and discussed, but I think the argument is even stronger than that. I think I'd lean to the side of, and it's not just because he's a local guy and it's a local story that could end up. I, it's one, like I did a, a 15 a few years ago for Press Box about you know, the next Baltimore Hall of Famers after Mike Messina got in. Hmm. It's like, who are the next Baltimore sports you know, arguments and deserving consideration for Hall of Fame recognition. And, you know, like Carmelo Anthony's an easy one, right? Like he'll obviously end up in the Basketball Hall of Fame. There are a few that are easy, you know, clearly Terrell Suggs is going to be a Pro Football Hall of Famer. Marshall Yonda is going to have an argument. I don't know for sure that Marshall Yonda will get in, but he will definitely end up on the ballot and be yeah. in the room at some point. Justin but. Tucker, of course, will get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, one day. Like I, I think Yonda could get in. Um, but there are others. I mean, it's still a lot of people tell you it's it's shameful that Mike Curtis, the Mad Dog, uh, who unfortunately passed away just recently, is still not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and is absolutely deserving for the way that he patrolled um, that middle linebacker position for the Baltimore Colts is deserving of being a Pro Football Hall of Famer. But I never even considered the thought of Mel Kiper as a Pro Football Hall of Famer. But I think it's a strong and compelling argument for him to be enshrined in Canton, and it's a good campaign. For ESPN, it's absolutely a deserving campaign for their executives to start pushing for because it's kind of their thing that they get to say, we this is us. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. the, the NFL Network can air it, and the NFL can talk, but this is not a thing if not for us. And here's the guy that made this a thing. So it was fascinating to me. All right, let's get back into Would You Rather Wednesday really quickly before we talk to Andrew Voorhees. Or do you want to do Andrew? No, let's talk. Let's do Would You Rather Wednesday, and then okay. we'll talk to Andrew Voorhees, all right? I did tease it. 
Would You Rather Wednesday brought to you by Birdland Sports. They have some really cool new shirts available, including if you have not seen it yet, go right now to birdlandsports.com because this is, Josh is a smart dude, this Yenier Cano oh, t-shirt man. is perfect. It's Cano, but the A is replaced by... What are you? His, his, I'm trying to do. Oh, what you're he trying does. to. I was like, to do what he does. So are you trying to show people your shirt? That's not a Birdland sport. Yes, I it's. I should turn around. Yes, replaced by the pose, and it looks flawless. I mean, it's an absolutely perfect shirt. So go to BirdlandSports.com and order your own right now, or it could be yours if simply you participate in Would You Rather Wednesday and you are chosen as our winner today. All you got to do is respond at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com/slash Glenn Clark Radio. Just get a response in. Then this one, we're not even choosers. This isn't like the other day where I said you had to do it a certain way. Even if you give a bad answer, you are registered and you are put in the hopper to win a shirt of your choice from BirdlandSports.com. All right. Uh, Would you rather numero uno? I brought it up with Rob Long. The Ravens make one more move this offseason. Bringing back Marcus Peters or... They make one more move, signing Leonard Floyd and leaving the secondary as is. Oh, man. I mean, because both, both I feel like, sh- will, both will obviously be very helpful. You, you want to lean Floyd because, you know, everyone kind of says work inside then out. Ravens obviously kind of historically work outside in. Um so I I don't think I'd be mad with either one. I don't I'm I'm but not as down. Choose know, one. I'm not as down on Peters as I think everybody else is. I still think he's a solid NFL caliber it's, corner. It's, it's so, mean, this is this, get into the mind of Griffin Bass. Patrick Queen was really good last year, and he hates Patrick Queen. Marcus Peters stink stunk last year, and he likes Marcus Peters. Valuable position. Um, and Leonard Floyd. I mean, I think I think you have to say Leonard Floyd just because at this point in their careers he's. Better, but I mean, if it, it is, but it's weird though because when you cite, you know, his well, you he had nine sacks the last two years, each of the last two years, right. you know, stand right next to Aaron Donald. Though, I understand and so that. that'll be, and you also have to think about what you have otherwise at the respective positions. They're all part. It's all part of the. It's why it's difficult, Griff, yeah. and like it's why it works as a would you rather Wednesday question. There isn't a simple answer, and it is uh, a split response, which is what I like because it shows me that it's a good question. Um, KZ, Floyd, fix the pass rush in the secondary is magically better. Uh, okay. Okay. If, I don't, as long as he's, you know, Leonard I Floyd. That's kind of my nice point. Sacks, I don't know yeah. that you can assume that Leonard Floyd alone simply fixes the pass rush. But I get it. It's a strong argument, and he's been very productive. Uh, Mirzette, Floyd won't have, here's your point, Floyd won't have Aaron Donald to attract double teams. If you look at his career, his best years were with L.A. Other L.A. pass rushers have benefited from Donald in the past. He's an average pass rusher give me the corner to provide depth and familiarity with the scheme uh uh pen griffey cool mark give me marcus peters back uh purple sauce i believe in chuck smith so bring marcus peters back he has a trait that none of our cornerbacks really have i assume that means like sort of the antagonistic the, the mean streak that dog yeah, he's got that dog in him uh mark give me floyd peters takes too many chances by the way, the Chuck Smith argument is interesting, too. Like, I get it. A lot of people are very high on him and what he could bring, but it, there's a difference between, hey, I like this guy as a coach, and I think he can turn non-productive players into highly productive players. Like, there's nothing that, that makes us know that that's the case. Liking him and thinking it was a good hire, like, 
it's a it's a jump to the next step. But I get it. I I did like him, and he comes highly regarded. Uh, uh, your boy PFF Sean Peters is washed. I'd rather line Floyd up at cornerback than Peters. Yikes! Uh, Orioles idiot. Bring back off an ACL. Bring back Marcus Peters, heart and soul. Uh, Ryan Frazier, Peters, cornerback depth is far and away the biggest need for this team. And by the way, I think that's where I ultimately line up. Like I think I know. I think I maybe well because I'm looking at Floyd now. He so in his four years with the Bears, his rookie year he had seven sacks, then four and a half, then four, then three, and oh, uh, yes, and then yeah. clearly a different player yeah, lining up ten next and a half, to nine Aaron and a half, Donald. Nine. Yes, there's no so. doubt about it. Now again, you think the Ravens have a pretty good defensive line mm-hmm. i thought that chris wormley is still a free agent like that would be somebody that i would be inclined to bring back who is productive in pittsburgh and sort of like brent urban could come back in kind of as a role player at this point and just give you a bit more depth as you look to replace calais campbell i i'd be that would be intriguing to me as somebody that still sort of lingers out there now that we get past it uh, reflecting the compensatory formula. Get another big guy that can block some field goals. Right, Definitely. there's that. Sure, yes. yeah. I'm always in favor of more of those guys, 100%. I, I don't know why he's still out there. That was very odd to me because he's been productive. He's been one of those few guys the Ravens give up on that you're like, hmm, might have screwed that one up a little bit. Not that he's been, you know. Yeah. It, maybe a, it was more a game of the Steelers. Maybe, maybe. That might be the like, case. Really? Right, that might be the case. Um, I probably... As as much as I am down on what we saw from Marcus Peters, I have said all along, you hope, to Griffin's point, that it is related to health. I do think if I had said Rocky Scene, everybody would have just chosen Rocky Scene. So that's part of why I picked Marcus Peters instead of Rocky Scene. Like I'm I think at this point I'm more in favor of Rocky Scene than I am, but I it doesn't the familiarity isn't nothing. And I do get the argument that his intensity and the attitude he brings isn't nothing either, but I think ultimately I do line up Peters just because it's a greater need, and I'm not certain that Floyd is just immediately an answer if you plug him in. Why not both? I, I don't know if they're don't, – don't do this. Ryan Frazier is going to start screaming in a second. <laughs> don't do this. It's Would You Rather Wednesday, Griffin. Uh, but in the real world, I do think yeah. I would agree with you. Yeah. However, it's not the case. It's Would You Rather Wednesday. Plus Rocky scene. Right, sure. All of the above. <laughs> All of the above. Number two. And Chris Worm. Right. Yeah. Hey. And DeAndre Hopkins. Why not? Yeah. What are we doing here? Uh, number two, would you rather Dean Kramer makes a start on Thursday or it's time, put D.L. Hall in the rotation, figure out what you got? Mm, I mean, I really want to figure out what D.L. Hall is, so I, that's why I want to lean towards that. I mean, I think th- – Rob definitely has some fair points as you can't give this is this was one of your better this was your one of your best starters last year mm-hmm. and he deserves I guess more than a month hook I mean I guess we're going to give him two extra starts two two more starts in May is kind of what Rob was kind of getting at it seemed like I want to see DL Hall though I'd rather see DL Hall on tomorrow tomorrow I, I'd I, rather see DL I, Hall. that's where I am too yeah. and it's not I'm not casting Dean Kramer aside in, by doing this and I'm just sort of saying right now, this is the way that it operates for me. One month is my marker. My marker is one month. You get one month, and if you're not helping, we got to see if somebody else can. I'm not trashing Dean Kramer. I'm I'm making a statement. I'm saying that you've got to prove that you can help this team win or we're not just going to keep rolling you out there. And to some extent, I would feel that way about you know, position players too. Like you don't get more than a month. It doesn't work that way. 
Now, position players have more of an opportunity to prove that they're valuable in other ways, right? Like, there's more of an opportunity to struggle at the plate, but still play really well in the field, and that shows that you can help a team win in a way that a pitcher can't. Or Ryan McKenna and do neither. And <laughs> Ryan McKenna actually had yeah, some no, big he, hits he had last a good week. week. He had a good week. Right? Like, <laughs> it's, I think it's really tough for you to make him your punching bag right now <laughs> because he's actually come up kind of big <laughs> a few times for this team. So don't you feel like a silly <laughs> goose now? Um, yeah, D.L. Hall is, is my answer as well. And it's, it's tough. Because I do. I get the point. Um, KZ, one more for Dean, although this was a tough call. And a couple of people have brought up, like, let him let him pitch against the Royals. I just don't know that you're going to feel... That might be even be worse. Because right. if he has a good start it against can be the Royals, then, he's got, you, then he plays the Rays, the right, Pirates, and the Angels. You convince yourself that, like, okay, he's all's good, but it's the same thing as when he had a good start against the Nationals a couple weeks ago, and then <laughs> right afterwards. So, it to me, it's almost more important, because somebody else brought that up, uh, yeah, Ryan Frazier actually brought it up. I'll let Dean go one start more at a time because you know Royals. Um, uh, Mark, give the start to Hall. Let's see what happens. Uh, your boy PFF, Sean, wants Dean to get another shot. Orioles idiot, start Hall. Expectations aren't very high, but Kramer has been stinky, and we might as well see if we can if Hall can start or not. I think he ends up as an excellent bullpen piece, but he has to make a few starts before that decision is made. And that is part of my equation on this, right? Like Part of my thought process is... I also want to get to the point with D.L. Hall, too. Like, it really is kind of an S or get off the pot situation right now with the Orioles and D.L. Hall. How long are you going to wait until you ultimately make the decision that you have to make? Get him in the rotation. Give him a month. Figure out. If he shows that he's that guy, great. Wonderful. But if not, let's get on with it and say, D.L., we've tried. We've given it multiple opportunities. We need now for you to commit to becoming a high-level bullpen arm for us at this point. And I, too, think that ultimately, much, I know Stan's been banging that drum for over a year, I have come around on that. But you decided that you wanted to stretch him out. Part of my thought process is, let's go. It's time. Get your answer. And Dean Kramer, if he goes down and pitches really well in AAA, can always come right back in a month and be given another shot to, to take that. Or the idea that you're not going to need another pitcher at some point right. seems kind of silly i mean we're all hoping that john means is back at some point and takes a rotation spot and we'd love for the orioles to acquire a pitcher at some point but i think you're going to need another pitcher at some point i don't think this just means the end of dean kramer lawrence give me hall i do think kramer is capable of figuring it out but it's time we gave hall the bradish grace and treatment let's see what he can do let him take his lumps as a starter and decide what to do from there adding a left-handed pitcher to the rotation doesn't hurt either agreed on all accounts and uh, let's just get one more in before we uh, talk to Andrew Voorhees. Number three, would you rather be tortured by the smoke detector for 50 days or give up a toe? Both things that I considered over the course of the last week. As you'll remember, instead of going to a party on Saturday night, I asked my wife if I could just give her a toe. I was like, hey, I, I could do that, but also, what if I just gave you a toe? Could that get me out of this? So you have to give up a toe or... Or what, what toe is you is get this? to pick. Oh, okay. That's the, the okay. that's the beauty of it. Your choice. Or fifty days. Is fifty like days. Every room you're in, everywhere you go, has a chirping smoke detector. Is it like I can go outside and, and but that, you like, can't go outside for more time than you usually would. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. But like if I'm in the car Like you're not banned. <laughs> 
but again, it's the it's normal time. You don't right, get to right, alter right, right. your schedule at all based on this situation. I mean, if there was a smoke detector chirp while I was driving in traffic, well, yeah, oh, I I hurl myself off a oh bridge. My God. There would be. I love my children, but there would just be no way. And I think one day they'd understand. <laughs> honestly, I think if I wrote a note, this is what I was dealing with. I'm sorry. I love you. Ask Ask Zach from All Time Low to raise you instead. <laughs> um. I mean, I've never. I mean, I still have all my toes. So I'm not sure. Boy, is Zach gonna feel really silly, silly when he finds out that's what I've got on the sheet for where my kids go. <laughs> well, maybe, I'm sure he'll be, he's a stand up guy, I actually, right? I, I, I think he'd he'd be like, all right, as long as you're okay with them moving to Hawaii, like, <laughs> I think he'd be down for it. Um, I mean, I, I since I still have all my toes, I don't know what it what it'd be like to lose one. That is the weird part. It's like it's. I think it's easy for me to say like, yeah, I'll I, give up a toe, and then you toe. think about like. You know, I think there's a reason why we have ten I of t- them. I take off my sock. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, right. What's going on there? <laughs> Forget about that. So that's I lose my toe forever. I yes, don't get it back gone. after no, the fifty there's days. No, it's not just fifty days without a toe. Forever without a toe versus fifty days. Oh, I just don't God. know that I will survive the fifty days. That's I mean, part of the problem. What's worse, losing a toe or you losing your life? I mean, you would think you get used to it. I guess the the chirping of the smoke detector. 50 days. 50 days. 50 days. 50 days. Everywhere. I mean, I, let's see. Let's see. I, I could probably go without my left pinky toe. So <laughs> this one. So I'll go with that. This one, similarly, <laughs> kind of split. <laughs> kind of split. Good, would you rather do that? I, yeah. I, it's, it's worked out that way. Uh, Mark, smoke detector, because I like having all my digits. Uh, your boy, Sean. I'm going to forget how to count. I use my toes to count. Right, there's <laughs> that, too. Your boy, PFF Sean, I need to keep my toes in case I ever decide to sell feet pics. Uh, Ryan Frazier, I'd have to give up a toe because I would literally go insane with that chirp going off constantly, getting mad just thinking about that sound. I know, Ryan, from uh, KZ, eventually it's just noise. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. Maybe he's right. Huh? No, it isn't. I promise you that's not the case. Griffin, we were just dealing with it on a recording yesterday, and I was ready to get a machine gun out. we got to figure out how to make this a punishment for Oh uh, no. For, for like no, 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 no. I will have mayonnaise poured on me every time you have to wear, like, before I will ever deal with this. This is literal. I'm telling you, I would rather be waterboarded. You'll have to wear AirPods inside your headphones. Jesus Christ. Well, I get the I normal headphones. Die. And you just have chirping die would, the I would throw myself through that glass window. <laughs> Continue to get me your responses at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter for Would You Rather Wednesday, brought to you by Birdland Sports. Had to do this a little bit earlier on because of his schedule, getting ready for a rookie camp this weekend, but we had the opportunity to catch up with Ravens' seventh-round draft pick Andrew Voorhees here on GCR. Well, a pleasure now to be joined here on GCR by a man who has had uh, quite a roller coaster ride these last couple of months, but um, <laughs> it ends up with him being a Baltimore Raven as he was selected in the seventh round on Saturday after the Ravens traded back in to target him. He is USC offensive lineman, or former USC offensive lineman, now more importantly, Baltimore Raven, Andrew Voorhees, and he's with us here on GCR. Andrew, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's so great to catch up with you, man. Thank you for taking the time, and congratulations on being a Raven. Yeah, thank you for having me on, on uh, this morning, and uh, no, just looking forward to getting out there and, and being a Raven, like you said, right? Just going from coast to coast, so going to be more excited for the opportunity to come and uh, just looking forward to it. Andrew, you probably more than anyone else in this draft, right? Given what you've been through, for those that are, I guess have been living under a rock for the last couple of days, of course, 
Andrew, you tore your ACL at the combine. You you know you valiantly went out there and you did the reps on the bench and and kicked ass. But I, I can only imagine the disappointment that you experienced, knowing where you were trending towards being in this draft. How, what was the phone call like, given everything that you've been through? Did it was there maybe a bit more appreciation? Oddly, like I'm I'm starting to wonder if maybe you might have been more excited than you could have ever possibly imagined about being a seventh round draft pick. Yeah, no, this this crazy, right? Given the the, the hand I was dealt, um, when I got the call, it was just uh, it was just so indescribable. It's hard to hard to even say what the emotions were like going through uh, my mind. Um, but I saw the Maryland uh, uh, area code on my uh, on the caller ID, and I instantly knew who it was. So was so thrilled when I got that call. Just something I'll never forget and uh, forever will be thankful for, for getting that call. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, it has been a roller coaster of emotions given the uh, the the circumstances I've been, dealt, I've been dealing with right over the last two months, getting hurt at the combine and then having to navigate through all that and stuff. But nonetheless, I'm grateful for where I'm at now and uh, just looking forward to the opportunity to be a Baltimore Raven. Was it ever difficult for you in this process to not feel sorry for yourself, to like have to, to shake yourself and say, dude, you can't think about you know, what could be or what could have been. You've got to just focus. Did you ever struggle with that over the course of these last few months? Yeah, definitely. I think at first when I got the news, right, that I tore my ACL at the Combine, um, it was just just so bum, like just honestly equally as hard to describe as getting drafted. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I felt bad for myself, right? Like you were saying for a little bit, um, it really though, it didn't take me too long to get over it because <clears throat> from my perspective, life is all about um, how you respond to the events that, that occur in your life. Right. So tearing my ACL uh, was, was the event that I had gone through. And then it was all about how I responded to that. And uh, I'm a firm believer that that will dictate your, your outcome in your life. So I knew that, right, it's like hitting that fork in the road. You can go either way. You can feel sorry for yourself and go down a dark path, or, or you could have the, go down the opposite path, right, and uh, have a positive outlook uh, over the whole situation and stuff. And so I chose to go down that route, and I, I'm here today. So, I, I mean, I'm thankful for it. I still got drafted, and um, i firmly believe I'm going to one of the best organizations in the NFL. So uh, just super thankful for, for all of it, uh, regardless of how, uh, how unfortunate the, the injury was. Um, I think it's just definitely a life lesson that I'll learn from for sure. He is Andrew Voorhees. He's with us here on GCR. To the point, Andrew, that you know you got to control your circumstances, you turn around. I, it, that day, did you feel as badass on that bench as the rest of us felt in watching you perform on that bench? Did you like have, and again, dealing with all the disappointment, but did you have a sense of like, how you like me now? Because it's one of the coolest, most ridiculous things I've ever seen. You walking out there <laughs> on the crutches yeah. and, and tossing them aside and saying, let's go do it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll give you a little bit of a story about that whole day, actually. So I found out, uh, so I tore my ACL on Sunday on the drills, and then the bench press was actually Monday morning. And I didn't find out officially uh, that my ACL was torn until that, that Monday morning. So it was about probably two hours before I went and did the bench press. Uh, long story short, I got the doctors to give me the okay to let me go and do the bench press um, 
took like a couple minutes to rationalize with them, say saying I wasn't gonna make my knee much worse or anything. So wow. convinced them to let me go up on the stage and then uh went and did it. But yeah, I I think I was with all the offensive linemen obviously and, and when I got uh to the bench press everyone was kinda like, What's this guy doing? Like why is he warming up? <laughs> right. And then I, I told them like, Yeah, I'm 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 doing this, like I'm not not gonna not do it right like <laughs> i was there to go do a job and i wasn't going to be stopped kind of mentality so went up there and uh crutched up there and, and fell down on the bench and uh there's this athletic trainer that was helping me out navigate with the crutches and all that and uh i asked him to toss me a piece of chalk to chalk up my sweaty hands from the from the crutches and uh went down and uh did 38 reps so I uh, was proud of that for sure, given the circumstances of everything. Um, not definitely not easy to bench press with a <laughs> a torn ACL with a, a walked out leg that you could barely put weight in into the ground. So um, definitely was fighting an uphill battle, but I went out there and I performed, and I was I was proud of myself and what I was able to accomplish that day. That was so cool. By, by the way, I, I, you're not going to not get Randy Jackson's autograph. Obviously, I don't know if you're a Step Brothers fan, but I I just all I could think of when you said that. Um, what you just, the other, what stands out to me, you're going to have grandkids one day, right? And like your grandkids yeah. are going to be like, so I hear you were a football player and I hear you were kind of a tough guy and you're, that's going to exist for forever. Like, yeah, you think you're tough. Watch what granddad did once upon a time. Yeah. Like that, that, no doubt that, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to let you go. I just, I can't even imagine how cool, like, I feel like I would probably watch that video every day if I had accomplished something like that. Yeah. No, it, it's weird because in the moment you don't realize uh, the impact things that will have, uh, right? Like, I, I don't know. It's just interesting perspective, right? But definitely, like, once I got back from the combine and things kind of settled down, I I kind of realized, like, well, this is actually, uh, it's actually made quite a bit quite a bit of uh yeah and it made it made the news right obviously and uh just knowing that it, it will be a video that will just surface forever and stuff and and thinking about the legacy that i'll leave behind for for my children and grandchildren like you were saying it's just such a cool thing and i think the coolest thing though about the whole uh the whole experience right was just all the the kids that reached out to me who are going through significant knee injuries cool. um, as well and just were reaching out and saying how much of an inspiration I was to them and uh, me having the opportunity to pour back into those kids and just tell them that, that everything's going to be okay and that we'd get through these injuries together and stuff. So super grateful for that and, and realizing that it was just awesome, right? That's awesome, man. That's so cool. That's a really, really cool thing. Andrew Voorhees with us here on GCR. Um, does it, does it give you like an, an additional level? You were already an ass kicker, right? Like you were already a really good foot, but does it give you an additional level of motivation now? Like you're going to have to play catch up a little bit with some of these other guys in this class. Does it give you an additional level of motivation having gone through this for, I have to be able to hit the ground running the moment I am able to start playing football again? Yeah, I mean, I fully believe that I'm going to be ready when that time comes, right? So just going to go through the rehab process and, and get uh, get as healthy as possible as soon as possible. And then um, in the meantime, right, I'll, I'll just be studying the playbook and just absorbing all the information I can at this new organization I'm going to be with. Uh, but, yeah, no, definitely going to have to hit the ground running for sure. It's, it's an uphill battle uh, without a doubt. But 
I'm confident in myself and my abilities and, uh, I know I'm going to have a good support staff around me to, uh, uh, help out and encourage and all that throughout this whole process. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to be ready for sure. You, the time comes. you know, you, you come in, as you mentioned, the, you, you feel it's one of the best organizations of football, and, and, and we like hearing that, but it's certainly the, 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 the history suggests that's the case as well. I know you would have been excited no matter what, but does it give you an additional level of this team believed in me? They, they traded back to make sure they had the chance of taking me. Does that, like, fortify maybe the faith and the feeling that you have about how you're starting your pro career a little bit more? Absolutely. And I, I just think them taking a shot and believing in me, knowing that realistically, I probably won't uh, have uh, as much playing time this year, if any, um, as you'd hope out of, out of somebody you draft. So knowing that they, that they do believe in me, right, gives me, um, I, I, it's just, it's again, hard to describe, right? It's just like such a hard, hard thing to, to put words to, but I mean, they believe in me, um, and that's all I need to know about them and their commitment to uh, their program. So, uh, yeah, I mean, once I get healthy, I'm going to go prove them right and make sure that they uh, know that they made the right choice by trading back in and, and, uh, and picking me in the seventh round. You just said something there that was interesting to me because everybody else is, is definitively saying, well, there's no way he's going to be able to play in 2023. But what you just said, it sounded like you're still kind of leaving that door open a little bit. And I get that, right, that you're not going to doubt – if there's any way that it's possible, you're going to drive yourself crazy in order to try to do it. Like you, it sounds like you're saying you haven't ruled out the idea that maybe you could you could go through a recovery and be ready to help before the season was over. I mean, yeah, we'll see, right? I mean, you just never know things. And just I, I've been doing so well with my recovery so far. I've only I'm only about a month out of surgery, uh, but yeah, definitely uh, don't want to close any doors now and. Uh, I mean, if I didn't prove to the world I wasn't wasn't a competitor, right, with right. going out and doing the bench right. press after a torn ACL, right? I don't know what else would would uh, what other proof you need, right? So definitely not ruling anything out. It's early, we got a long year, and um, anticipate right the uh, the Baltimore Ravens playing pretty late into the season. So uh, definitely not going to rule anything out this early on, and uh, we'll just take it right day by day just get better so i uh i happened yesterday to catch up with a coach he went up against i was talking to uh, david shaw who was at stanford um and uh, it was mm-hmm. caillou blue kelly's coach and i just brought you up when i was talking to him and he said man this guy is a people mover like you are getting someone who's going to knock people back what you in your words when you're able to get on the football field and be healthy for the baltimore ravens what will the baltimore ravens be getting in andrew Voorhees? Yeah, I I think just one word to describe is just physical physicality, right? Um, I, I think I do a great job, right, in the run game, especially it's easier to display just my physicality. So um, I think that's definitely one of the most uh, most considerable traits that you need to have as an offensive lineman, right? If if I'm saying it correctly, um, but yeah, I mean, Coach Shaw and and I had. Had a lot of battles over the years when he was at Stanford and I was yeah. at USC. Um, a lot of good players he's coached. But, yeah, definitely. Uh, that was always a physical game with those guys, um, <clears throat> given that, that we're both in the state of California. So it was like a little mini rivalry game, really, if you if you would, every year. So, uh, yeah, but I think physical is just uh, probably the, the trade, I'd say, or the, the one word I'd, I'd say to describe what, what the Baltimore Ravens are getting uh, when it when it when it comes time for me to go out there and 
put the uniform on and prove it. All right. So as I was doing digging into your bio and trying to find some things about you, I don't know how this math works. Did you get married at like 18 years old? Is that did I did I read that right? <laughs> yeah, I was uh, 19. Wow. Uh, I got married in the spring of 2018. So Whew. yeah, my wife and I just celebrated our our fifth year. Uh, anniversary congratulations and, uh, in March that's that's Thank awesome you. man dude like uh did anybody did anybody pull your side like Andrew you uh you know like she's great we love her but like are you sure you're really young like did you have to go through <laughs> any of that yeah definitely I mean just for sure I mean without a doubt I had to go through all that but uh what the rest decisions I made in my life right that's awesome, uh, man. what it what it traded for the world so that's awesome. uh, we're happily married, and, and she'll be out there with me in Baltimore. So we're excited to to pick up our lives and, and move it from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast. All right. Before I let you go, um, and I know you've been asked, but the idea of sharing an offense with Lamar Jackson, how does that sound to you? Yeah, I mean, that's incredible, right? Um, just think having him in the backfield just, just makes things a, a whole heck of a lot easier for you as an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Uh, just how elusive and, and how good of an athlete he is and, and a quarterback in general. So I'm super excited to get to know him and, uh, and the rest of the team as well. But definitely is uh, super exciting knowing that I'm going to play with with, uh, with Lamar Jackson. That's awesome, man. Anything else we should know about Andrew Voorhees, the person? Like, you know, when you're not playing football, when you're not, you know, doing 38 <laughs> reps on a bench, like what, what should we know about you? What, what would a Friday night look like in the spring in the normal world for Andrew Voorhees? Yeah, uh, I'm an avid foodie, so awesome. I'm excited to to get out to the East Coast. Okay, and, are, are uh, you a seafood? See what that diet's all about. Are you a seafood person? Well, I like seafood. Yes. Oh, dude, this is gonna go so well for you. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. I need. We'll we'll follow up after we talk. We're gonna get you to some places. We're gonna make sure okay. that that happens because this is yeah. going to be. And not to take nothing away from the West Coast. You are about to be in heaven, my friend. You are about I know. to experience. That's do you do you cook at all, or is it just uh, you're going out? I do cook. Yeah, no, I, I like to cook, but I, I like to go out equally as much. Awesome, man. Awesome. That's great stuff. Andrew Voorhees, of course, a Raven seventh-round pick out of USC, at Andrew underscore Voorhees on Twitter is how you can follow him. And uh, what about – are you on Instagram as well, Andrew? Yeah, I think it's the same username for Instagram as well. Good deal. Andrew, congratulations, man. Uh, very happy for you. I, I know it's it's got to be frustrating because it's almost like a hurry-up-and-wait thing now at the moment. Yeah. But uh, congratulations on hearing your name call. We can't wait to see what's coming for you. And best of luck as you continue in your recovery, all right? Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. I mean, there's so much to like there. There's just so much to like about Andrew Voorhees, and I think everybody was in agreement. It was absolutely a a well-worth-it pick. Who knows, right? Like, the the ultimate cost, even if it doesn't work for the Ravens, was a sixth-rounder, but absolutely worth seeing if maybe you found a lottery ticket and a future, you know, it looks like Ben Cleveland's going to get the chance again to go prove himself this year, but that has been shaky. And there's a lot of talk about whether or not Kevin Zeitler's future is, you know, he's going to be around long-term in Baltimore. Not specifically that the Ravens want to get rid of him because he's been great, but more like his football future. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some opportunity perhaps there and a chance that you might have found a starting guard for some time to come with by trading a sixth-round pick in order to get him. So there is so much to like about Andrew Voorhees. There's so much to like about his attitude. There's so much to like about... Um, 
again, just going and being a cowboy. <laughs> it's it's truly one of the most ridiculous things. Just the, the, the vision of him with the crutches and everything going up there and then do, doing 38 reps on the bench. It's just so crazy. Uh, it makes you wonder why it is that nobody else had used the seventh-round pick to take a shot on Andrew Voorhees. But, man, there is a lot to like there. Appreciate him taking the time for us this morning here on GCR. Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, and Jack Graham, the general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, got together earlier in the week. If you missed it, find it at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline, or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. When we come back in, we're going to catch up with Tavon Sadler. That's next, Glenn Clark Radio. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The All-America Senior Game powered by New Balance will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. That first sip, that first bite, mm, starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. 
All right, thanks again to uh, Ravens draft pick Andrew Voorhees for joining us. Let's switch gears this morning as this one's kind of wild to me. I feel like it was only a couple of years ago that we were watching this dude play at St. Francis, and now at just the age of 28, he is a head coach as he has returned to his alma mater and he has taken over at Nichols. Aberdeen native, St. Francis alum, it's a pleasure welcoming Coach Tavon Sadler to GCR. Coach, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up, man. Thank you for taking the time, and congratulations on the new gig. Man, thank you for having me, Glenn. I appreciate the opportunity of being on. Man, I th- what a story this is, right? Like, you are you're 28 years old. I remember when I was 28, Coach, I was not nearly in a position where I could be entrusted with a role like this. Um, what does it feel like for you to be back at your alma mater and to be entrusted with this role of taking over as head coach? I mean, first and foremost, um, just the president, the athletic director, the board of trustees, for them to even trust with this opportunity, it's amazing. Um, this isn't something I take very lightly. Um, it's something I'm ready for. It's something I've been preparing for. To say the least, I'm blessed, honored, and humbled to be in this position. I'm ready to help young men get to where they need to be, be the future leaders of tomorrow, not only on the court, but off the court also. How do you think you have been prepared? Like, what what is it, you know, the guys that you've been around, obviously a year ago at Maryland, but, you know, other places, whether it's Coach Miles years ago, who all has helped prepare you, not as a player, but as a coach, for taking on a responsibility like this? I mean, I got a long list of guys who have helped prepare me, but um, when you talk about Kevin, when you talk about Nick Miles, uh, in my program, I tell people all the time they laugh. I know St. Francis is only a high school, but my program could be similar to how they run their program with the family atmosphere and, and just the relationship, family base, and the hard work. I mean, I mean, I'd be more than fine with that, you know. I know it's two different levels, but I tell people all the time, if I have the same impact on my kids that, that Nick Miles had on me, I think I ran a heck of a program. Uh, Nick went from being my high school coach to now my mentor to one of my best friends, so that would be one guy. Um, I would also thank David Cox. You yeah. know, I think I think the, the job that David Cox did with me this year, personally, it was just tremendous. Uh, I learned so much from Cox, also Willis, too, though, but my relationship with Cox and just the things he taught me this year was, and the ways he wrapped his arms around me, it was just, it's something that money can't buy, and I'm so thankful to even run into a mentor like David Cox. Um, I still talk to the West Millers, you know. Yeah. I played for the youngest head coach in the country yeah. at the time. West Miller, yeah, West Miller was 28 when I played for him. So I've been picking West's brain a lot. Uh, Austin Clarence, I worked for Austin Clarence when he was 28. So when we talk about me being 28, I think I was kind of already groomed for this. Mm-hmm. You know, I played for the youngest head coach in the country when I was in college, and I worked for the youngest head coach in the country when I joined the game, you know. So just picking off of things that they did well, that they didn't do well. And, I can prepare in a such in such ways that and and see things as such that they have done well and just still still been able to rely on those guys, man. You know. Uh, by the way, what has Wes Miller gone on to do, though? Seriously, I mean, what, what kind? I mean, my God, like that is a, it's yeah. a hell of a mentor to have. There's no question about that, um, it, Coach. Yeah. I, I feel like there's another side of this. You're a kid who grew up in Aberdeen. And by the way, there have been a few successful folks that have come from Aberdeen over the years. It's not like there isn't a track record of a couple of guys that have uh, have made uh, nice names for themselves. But the thing that jumps out at me a lot right now is it's still a difficult time 
for we were just talking about this i mean literally just a, a couple of guys that have gotten jobs tony skin we were talking about it with recently who obviously you were with a season ago but it's still unfortunately been a difficult time for black coaches throughout the sport to get opportunities is there a part of you that to get as a black coach to get this chance at 28 that says boy i i need to make sure that i I show everyone that this is why you should understand that we should be getting these jobs and you shouldn't be making guys wait 15, 20 years for these types of opportunities. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't really like to go into the race thing. Um, I look at, I like to look at people, you know, for, for who they are. And I mean, that is something that's talked about in the business and I think it's something that it cares. But to answer your question, I do carry that on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. I know if I do it the right way, well, when I do it the right way, it's going to open more doors for, for young African-American coaches to get an opportunity at an earlier age. Um, I would love to be the one to break that mold. You know, I would love to be the next leader of the next generation. Um, when I do it the right way, because I know I will, and I got the right people around me, and I do it the right way, it, it'll, be, it'll be opportunities for others, whether it's here, different institutions. Yes, I do agree with you. All right. Uh, he is Tavon Sadler. He is with us here on GCR. Um, Coach Nichols, tell me about it. Why is it a special place for you? Why is it somewhere that not only you wanted to be as a player, but now you want to be back as a coach? <laughs> I mean, Thibodeau, the town, it's called Thibodeau, Louisiana. Thibodeau is just a special place to me. Um, I got here in 2016. I did two years. I spent two years in town, uh, graduated from here, played here. Me and my teammates, it was it was crazy, man. We were able to win the first championship in 20 years, so that was special. Um, when you talk about this town, man, they 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 embody sports. It's a family community. It's not an overly big it's not an overly big town, but it's big enough, uh, and everyone loves on one another. And then when you talk about me leaving, I leave to go get my master's degree. I come back for two years later. You know what I'm saying? So it's a special place and somewhere I can't get rid of, like I can't get away from. Hmm. Like it's one of them places that if you spend time here, you, you will understand why. So I always tell the recruits, just let me get you on campus. And, and I mean, the town, the town tells itself they'll do the rest of it. You know, we got a, we got an unbelievable fan base. Uh, it's beautiful out here. The town's growing. The, the, the campus is growing. There's so many different things that, that's on campus now that when I was a student here just four years ago, that wasn't here. And then when you talk about riding through town, I mean, Town looks way different now. It's, it's really nice. I mean, not that it wasn't already nice, but the things that they're adding and building to town is just, it's just beautiful. And I don't think it's showing no signs of letting down. So the town's expanding. The people are growing. Uh, the population's growing. It's one of them places that, that when you look down the line in, in two, three years, it's going to be a gold mine, you know? Have you had to officially trade in crab feast for crawfish boils at this point in your life? <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. Uh, anyone who knows me know my favorite two. My favorite two foods is crawfish and crab cake. See, this so, is yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I love crab cakes and I love crawfish. I actually had some crawfish yesterday. So I, I, you, I had three pounds of crawfish. Yesterday. I had a buddy take me to my <laughs> first crawfish boil a couple years down when I uh, years back when I was down there. And I, as a guy who's had a lot of crab feasts, I was like, I can get behind this. It's not the same thing. Yeah. But it, the concept works for me, right? It's just gathering people around and having sort of a central thing in order to get people to hang out for a little while and shoot the S and have kind of a party, right? Like, I can get behind the idea of a crawfish boy. <clears throat> no, nah, it's perfect. I got a, um, 
I actually have a meet and greet next Friday, and it's a um, it's, it's crawfish and go. There you go. <laughs> so I'm like, that's perfect. <laughs> that's that's perfect. That's exactly right. And that's some that's that's some Louisiana things, but that, I mean that's perfect. To me. No, no, it works, man. That's really cool. I love that. Um, Coach, obviously, you know, the, the time that you spent, uh, as we referenced, that you were at Maryland last year as director of player personnel. And, I, you know, I, I asked about it with Tony. I asked about this with, with Grant. Like, how did this happen, what you guys did in one season? It's not supposed to be easy to take a floundering program and turn it into a threat to win the Big Ten and a team that reaches the second round of the NCAA tournament. How did this happen that you guys were able to walk in and get things turned around the way that you did a season ago? I mean, first and foremost, um, it starts at the head. So that starts with Coach Willis. You know, I thought Coach Willis came in and did a heck of a job. Um, just from the top to bottom, from, from putting the staff together, I thought the staff that he was able to put together, I thought we were incredible. And, I tell people all the time, man. Uh, I want to form my staff like Willis, man. Um, it was a, it, we were all no ego guys, you know. Uh, all no ego guys. At the end of the day, was Willis' fault, but coach was, coach will always listen. He will always take ideas. Some days it stick, some days it didn't. So I think him putting that staff together and us just buying into the culture and the identity and the message he's preached is where where it mostly came from. But then you can't discredit those kids, man. Those kids worked at a high level. They brought in every day. Um, I mean, as a kid, I played, so I understand sometimes when it's a new coach coming in, sometimes you you neglect the message that he preached or you go against what he's saying, and, and sometimes it's hard. But for, for those kids to just buy into what coach was preaching and, and for them to execute at a high level, I mean, I think that's where the magic happened at. And I tell people all the time, I, I've been around programs with a head coach. Um, he we weren't surrounded by yes men, you know. Hmm. Like everyone in the everyone in the office had an opinion, and I think I think the way Coach Willis did it and the staff he assembled it, just his philosophy about going to not only about coaching but just basketball in general. I think those are where the blessings came from, you know. So to answer your question, I would say um, it started at the top, man. It just started with Coach. I think Coach. I think Coach is a heck of a coach. I learned so much from him. I'm appreciative of my time there. And I mean, I know what they're building over there in uh, College Park. It's it's special times on the way, man. And one thing you don't do, man, you don't you don't bet against a guy who knows what he's doing and, and works hard at a high level. And, and that's Kevin Willis. So I, I I know you know. With that said, I know you have to. You, there's no way you can't take this job. I completely understand that. But was it at all difficult for you? Like what you just referenced there, that what could be ahead. The foundation you guys let leave, and then knowing what's coming in, another St. Francis guy and uh, John Lamoth, obviously. Like, was there any part of you that was like, "Man, this is this is kind of d- difficult." I I might be leaving an opportunity to make like a Final Four run next season. I mean, yeah, it was hard. You know, I, I mean, it was it was a thought on my mind because you know, uh, I know that the work that's put in in College Park, I know the players who are coming. I also know, I also know what's on the way and how hard coach works, you know, so that, that was hard for me. And I, and I think they could be a really, really, well, I know they're going to be a really, really special team next year. So that was, that was pretty hard. But at the same time, it's nothing like running your own program and having, having, just having your own program. It, it's something, it's something that I don't think you could compare it to. And 
I do wish I could be a part of that that Final Four run or that deep tournament run that I know those guys are going to make. But at the end of the day, yeah. I think I think I made the right choice. I'm happy with my decision. Oh, no doubt. I'm excited for what we got going. Yeah, I'm excited for what we got going down here. I com- I completely get it. Trust me. You got to take that job. I totally understand that. Can, can I ask just one more on the Maryland side of things? You know, we mentioned John Lamothe is coming in. There's also a lot of pretty significant Baltimore recruits that are coming in the next couple of years, and I know you're going to be looking to get more Baltimore kids to join you down at Nichols. I understand that. Do Do you think it's yeah. important that Maryland have someone involved with the program that is that is plugged in Baltimore specifically? I feel like we are, I don't know, kind of provincial in a way. Like, and I remember how significant it was when Bino was there, you being there. Is important for there to be someone directly involved with the program that understands and speaks to the experiences of Baltimore kids. I mean, I'd never tell Kevin Willard how to run this program. You know, I mean, history speaks. He does a heck of a job, and he knows what he's doing. But I would be opinionated and say I think that a Baltimore guy should fill my role. Uh, it's important that Baltimore is covered. Uh, you know, like I know, man, Baltimore can be tough, and yep. it's just not anybody going to be able to get into Baltimore. You know, and so. My opinion, I think it should be a Baltimore guy. Um, Baltimore is winners. So is PG and DMV and DC and all those areas. But when you start talking about Baltimore, it's, it's hard to get in there if you don't got deep ties. And you're from the city. You know how it goes, man. Yep. You, you know how it goes. Yep. You, got, you know what I'm saying? So to answer your question, I do think it should be a Baltimore guy who replaces me. Um, the Baltimore tradition and the pool that's coming from Baltimore in the next couple of years is rich. Shoo. And in order in, in, in order to get into Baltimore, uh, I'm going to go on record to say it has to be a Baltimore guy plugged into that position, you know? Yeah, you're not going to be stealing away like Derek Queen to get the nickels, right? Like, that's not – man, we're really <laughs> – I'm starting to get a little bit nervous <laughs> about those connections that you have. I'm a, I, probably, I probably won't be in there on the Queen right now. I definitely <laughs> got a couple Baltimore guys. I don't think I can speak on the kid. He had to sign the paperwork, but my, my first commit was actually from Baltimore, so – um, that's awesome. When man. you talk about Thibodeau, it's not a, it's not a hard place to sell kids from because the town is beautiful, and uh, I'm always dip back in the home. You know, I've always had uh, just check my track record. There's always Baltimore kids down that maybe I shouldn't get, but due to relationships and my ties to the town um, that I'm able to get, and the Baltimore kid that I got committed, I'm very excited about him. And don't be surprised if there's a couple more Baltimore kids who who do join the party. So I believe it. I'm just taking my time with it all. I believe it. I know how much they respect you. I know how important you are as a figure in this community. Uh, the most important question I have to ask you, uh, Tavon, you and your brother line up. You play one-on-one, game to 11 right now. Who's winning? Which brother? Tavon. See, the thing is, I wanted you to say all of them. They can't none of them beat me one-on-one. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Which one? <laughs> nah, I'm not going to. Nah, nah, nah. I, I, I broke my leg last time. Remember, I broke my leg last time. I can't, I can't mess with those dudes. No yeah, more, it's, it, uh, that's, that's why you're doing this, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 I broke my leg. I'm just, I like to mess with them. Yeah, I can't, I can't fool those dudes no more. Uh, we all had a heck of a career. And, Man. Um, I, I credit that to my parents uh, just for keeping us on the right path and keeping us focused on the main thing. So. It's always competitive, man, but man, those, those guys, I can't do nothing with those guys. It's, a, it's such a cool family story, what you guys have accomplished, man. It, it, it really is. Like, it's an incredible story of uh, how you guys have grinded and pursued your goals and have accomplished so much. It's an awesome thing to see play out. 
Uh, Tavon Sadler, man, really happy for you uh, to see you represent Appreciate our area that. and achieve so much so early on in your career. It's incredible. Can't wait to see what's next for you. Really appreciate you hopping on and spending a couple of minutes with us, and we'll be in touch. When you're uh, getting ready to make your first trip to the NCAA tournament, I promise you we're going to be reaching out and celebrating you a little bit more, all right? <laughs> yeah, and let me go on record and say it won't be long. I appreciate that, Glenn. Hey, Tavon, thanks so much for doing this, man. Really appreciate you. Tavon Sadler, uh, head coach at Nichols, as uh, uh, he's returned to his alma mater. Of course, Aberdeen native, uh, St. Francis alum, and uh, spent that season at Baltimore. And I, I echo his sentiments. I, I think his role should be filled by someone with Baltimore. And it's not to say, because I, I really love Greg Manning. I think Greg Manning, from his time here, knows Baltimore. But I just think there's something unique. The kids that you're going after, and especially with guys like Derek Queen on the horizon, I, I think it's important that the role be filled by someone who speaks to those kids a little bit more one-on-one, a little bit more understanding of who they are, where they're coming from. And I I just think it's unlike, it's hard to make a parallel. Clearly, you got the guys on staff that you want for getting after the D.C. PG County kid. Like, Mike Jones is there for that, right? Like, that's that's what he's there to do. I think it's important to have someone on your staff that's there for Baltimore kids. And I think it's a very unique thing with Baltimore kids where they feel like comfort level with someone who's from here has walked in their shoes and to try to help them on their path at getting to uh, College Park and I think that I appreciate him saying that because I do get he's like look man I ain't gonna tell Kevin Willard how he should do his job because Kevin Willard has proven he knows what he's doing but I think the opinion I, is one that I back up and I stand with all right. Yes. While we're talking about Baltimore hoops, uh, Coffin State making their yeah. You know, we didn't talk about Larry Stewart at all. That's a great point. Yeah. Yes, Larry Stewart, um, a legend, obviously, um, at uh, Coffin State, and he has spent quite a time. You know, th- there's a comparison, right? Like Larry Stewart has had to grind for years to try to get an opportunity, and has spent time at UMES and Morgan, and now he's getting his opportunity. Um, happy for Larry Stewart. I think we're going to wait till Monday to chat with Larry because they want to do their press conference on Friday and, you know, they really want people to come out to it so they don't want him to do a ton of interviews ahead of time. So I think we're going to try to wait till Monday. I was just talking with the crew over there and I said, that's fine. I'm I'm happy to do that. So I think Monday will be the day that Larry Stewart will join us. But obviously a Coppin State legend went on to play in the NBA. Um, I, I think I saw that he still owns some record for the Wizards franchise. I'm trying to think – I can't remember what it is. There's still some record, like a single game record or something like that, that I just, I, I, I remember seeing once before, and then I was like, how about that? But yes, Larry Stewart um, is the new head coach at Coppin State, and, you know, someone who has worked a very long time to get that opportunity in order to, to do that and I am extraordinarily happy for Larry Stewart it is a very very difficult job I mean an unbelievably difficult job there's no football program there there is no there's not a huge campus there's not a huge alumni base to tap into you have to sell the pro like you have to basically sell games as part of your own salary 
Like you have to make your own salary in part by agreeing to money games all over the country early in the season. But then also because they built a building, you have to have a certain number of home games too in order to justify the building. It is very, very difficult. The MEAC has gotten smaller. There is some question about the future of the MEAC. It's a tough, tough job. But Larry Stewart, one of the greatest players in program history, deserving of the chance to lead Coppin and to prove, you know, he, of course, as a player, reached an NCAA tournament once upon a time. We all remember Coppin a few years later, um, you know, successfully getting back to the NCAA tournament and then obviously winning a game on top of it beating South Carolina. It's very difficult for for at, as at the moment it's a very very difficult job. But uh, we'll root like hell for Larry Stewart and uh, we'll look to support him. Happy for him as he gets the Coppin job. All right, we have one more segment to go. We'll get a tidbit. We'll get tubular when we come back in. Don't forget pressboxonline.com/offers is the place for you to go to sign up for all the best incentives and offers when it comes to sports betting in the state of Maryland, like $1,000. Get up to $1,000 in a deposit bonus match, plus a $50 free bet from DraftKings. Just go to pressboxonline.com offers right now in order to claim that incentive. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to birdlandsports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Pressbox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite mm. Starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available daily Day and night, it's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. 
We do more. We do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressbox online. And you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grinder. Wait, did I say Grinder? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know what's on Grinder or anything. I swear. On second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Back in here and winding down for a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. Continue to get me your responses throughout the day. Tomorrow, Griffin will pick a winner to receive a shirt of your choice from our friends at Birdland Sports. The I'm trying to think of what I need to do here. It's uh, your local Toyota dealer and buy at Toyota.com. I need to do that. Yes, the Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits, check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, we didn't uh, mention, of course, Joel Embiid was officially named NBA MVP last night. We all saw that coming in the final weeks. That's one of those things where, like, if if anybody's... Once you know, if anybody's even leaving up MVP bets anywhere, it's worth throwing, even at horrendous odds, just throw a ton of money on it because you're going to win. Like, once it becomes known, it became very clear in the last few weeks. And I wasn't even looking, so it's on me. Like, maybe everybody pulled it down, and maybe yeah. a week ago you couldn't still bet on NBA MVP. But late in the regular season, it became abundantly clear that Joel Embiid was going to be NBA MVP. And it's weird, right, because we were talking earlier with Rob about, like, Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler being kind of the biggest difference-making players so far. Somebody say, well, how about the MVP of the league? Well, what happened in game one when he wasn't there? With no disrespect, I think Joel Embiid was worthy of being MVP of the NBA this season. And maybe, you know, it's unfair to not put Steph Curry in that conversation because he is still Steph Curry. But, like, uniquely, teams' fates, what they're capable of accomplishing, we have seen when Jimmy Butler plays like Jimmy Butler, the Heat look like they can beat anybody. When Anthony Davis plays like Anthony Davis, the Lakers go from being a pedestrian, mid-level NBA team to suddenly genuinely looking like an NBA title favorite. So those two have stood out the most to me so far. Um, will it be Heat Lakers? It's kind of crazy that I'm talking about right now, feeling like it's we're destined for a 7-8 matchup in the NBA Finals. Good NBA. But it's Good kinda, NBA this year. It's, eh, it, or mid. <laughs> like I it's guess. One, yeah, I There are two different ways of looking at it. It's like, how do you measure March somebody, Madness? By the way, somebody brought that up to me. What, I, like, uh, God, I wish I could remember who it was. I was talking. It wasn't on Twitter. It was somebody I was talking to yesterday. Like, you're chastising uh, Griffin about doing NBA right at the point at which you would be okay with him doing NBA. Because I, I do say that, like, once we get to, like, the conference finals, I get it. That's what's going on. Like, that's what people care about. It, the problem is you've been doing them for the last four weeks. Nothing but NBA yeah. tidbits. I mean, it's not before nothing but, we but. get to the point where there's nothing but NBA, and it's not nothing even still then because baseball will still be going yeah. on. But um, it was funny that he brought it up that way because I'm pretty sure I even said that to you like two weeks ago. Like, hey, once we get to the conference finals, all good. I get it. That's what people care about. But until then, maybe we try to ease up a little bit. All right, all right, all right. It's funny. Uh, All right, hang on. Tidbit okay. is brought to you today. I did, is that it? Did we cover everything? I think so. Tidbit. There's still nothing on Hunter Dickinson, right? Yeah, no. I haven't, I haven't seen anything, anything there. It is officially after morning, right? I mean, I, I don't. Oh no, no. We got the we got the morning update. We got that. Oh, it was just a morning update. Yeah. I thought he said it was going to have that decision. No, no, no. Just oh, okay. an update. What? Uh, a couple people on Jeff's timeline have said the Lamar Jackson saga has prepared me for this. I'm okay. <laughs> 
Like, yeah, this feels like nothing in yeah, comparison. A couple hours <laughs> we're waiting. <laughs> this feels like nothing in comparison. All right, Tidbit is brought to you today by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels heating, A.C. plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. Jalen Brunson's 30 points at MSG in a playoff game. First time in 10 years that a, <laughs> of course it's that a Knicks player has had uh, 30 points at MSG. It's almost to the day, May 7th, uh, was it 2013. It was yeah. Carmelo. He had 30 yeah. at a home playoff game uh, for the Knicks. Uh, so Jalen Brunson, big game as they won. Uh, LeBron James, as we were talking about MVPs, this is the first year uh, if, of his career that he did not receive a single MVP vote for LeBron James. First season that that's ever happened. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. How about that? Yes. And uh, the first trio of all time or ev- in, in playoff history that uh, where each – we had a trio of players making six threes each between Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, and uh, Steph Curry. Yeah, it didn't help. No, it didn't help. He, didn't they help. needed seven from yes, Jordan Poole. Yes, correct. Seven threes from Jordan Poole. He only had six. Uh, Bryce Miller made his MLB de- debut for the Mariners last night. Uh, went alongside Mason Miller, who was also a rookie. Uh, they're the first pair of rookie starters in the modern era to, to combine for uh, 15 strikeouts. And two or fewer hits allowed well, in the game. Mason Miller, he had a perfect had a, game right after seven, yes. and he just got pulled. Yeah, they took him out. Yeah, and and then love lady who they brought in served up a home run. There's a part of it that's uh, like, what are the Athletics protecting themselves before they're not yeah. going to exist? <laughs> this is the uh, who who had the no hitter for the Orioles when we pulled them uh, oh, against Toronto in Toronto. Yeah. For, why can't oh, I remember his name? God. Why can't was that David Hess? No, maybe might have been. Da- hang on a second. <laughs> Hang on a second. This is driving me nuts. Keep going, and I'll look okay. it up. Okay. Um, uh, they also, or so with uh, Bryce Miller, he is the second pitcher in his MLB debut to have 10 or more strikeouts in zero walks. Second player. It was David Hess. Third player. Yes. It was David Hess. And it was pulled in the seventh inning. Yeah. Mm. Um, he's the third player ever to have 10, at least 10 strikeouts in zero walks in his MLB debut. You think you can name the, the other two? This is not the official two. What is it? It's seven... Ten, 10 strikeouts, 10-plus strikeouts in their MLB debut with zero walks. This is what Bryce Miller did last night. Just carry Wood. No, nah, not carry Wood. They both did it. 2008 was the first one. <sighs> Who did he debut with? The uh, Royals, I want to say? Granky? Not Granky. Danny Duffy? Not Danny Duffy. The, o- the 08 Royals. I don't know if I can remember anything about the 2008 Royals. I can't Royals. remember who he debuted with. Uh, he debuted with the Reds. I mean, he might have debuted with the Reds. Uh, yeah, he did debut with the Reds. That's my fault. He spent seven years in the, his first seven years with the Reds. He spent his first seven years with the Reds. But did he end up being a Royal at some yeah, point? Yeah, he was. On, he was on the Royals so, during the World Series run. So, oh, then it Cueto, Johnny Cueto, yeah, yes. Cueto. Ten strikeouts, zero walks in his debut on April third, two thousand eight, and then this guy did it in had the year uh, twenty ten, <laughs> right down the street. Uh, oh, Strasburg? Strasburg yeah. had 14 strikeouts okay. and no uh, yeah, walks. Yeah, now I remember. MLB that's debut. right. It, then everybody yeah. was losing their minds. It was yes. a like a wild, like it was the first night the Nationals ever mattered was that night. Zach Greinke is on the mound for the Royals tonight. He has a chance to become the fifth pitcher ever to strike out 1,000 different batters. How many has he struck out so far? 997. So he struck out 997 different and people. Do we know how many people in the line, the Orioles lineup yes, he struck we out do. before? Yes, we do. Okay. So he has a chance. There are eight players on the Orioles roster. Uh, well, we don't have the lineup yet, but we don't on the roster that he has not struck out. So okay. Adam Frazier, okay. Gunnar Henderson, 
James McCann, Ryan Mountcastle, Cedric Mullins, Adley Rutschman. Well, McCann played last night, right? So yeah, he, but he DH'd, right? Yeah. Oh, did I he guess. DH last night? Okay. But they've been using him against lefties anyway, so yeah, he probably won't yeah. be in the starting lineup. Uh, Santander and Kyle Stowers. Uh, All right. Yeah, so he has eight Orioles that yeah. he has not struck out before. There's he definitely needs a chance in there. Three to reach a thousand. Uh, there are. Can you, can you name the four other in in history in history that have struck out one thousand different humans? Well, I mean, I'll assume Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan is on this list. He has struck out eleven hundred eighty-two different batters. That's unbelievable. Isn't yeah. It? Um, Clemens. Roger Clemens, one thousand twenty-two different batters. Because you got to get guys that played in both leagues is the difficult. Well, I mean, I guess you don't have to, but they either had to play for a really long time mm. or they had to play in both leagues. Um, Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson is the other one. I think somebody I got to yeah. yeah, okay. Then deal with it. If it's somebody important, let's, 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 I'll, I'll vamp for a second. I'm just trying to think of other guys who have. I have. I'm also. It, it, part of me is just trying to come up with guys that have thrown a lot of strikeouts over the years. So I'm going to write down, like, this guy was always in the National League, so I don't know if, if he's going to be on the list. Um, okay, I'm going to guess. Oh, man, now I don't know about that guy either. All right, I've got, I'm coming up with guys, unfortunately, that didn't play in bo- pitch in both leagues. All right, I, here, are my, here are my my other guesses, right? Oh, okay, you're still doing that. It's about a guess that he's been working on, and so it's kind of an important thing. And, of course, this would be the one part of the show where I actually need him to be around. This is inevitably the way that it goes when you have a small staff here on Glenn Clark Radio, the way the way that we have a small staff. We will revisit this. I will tell you that Tubular is going to be brought to you by pressboxonline.com slash contest, where right now you can sign up to win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams, plus – an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms in order to help you get around. You must be 18 years or old, 18 years old or older. Must be 18 or older is probably just the better way of saying that. Must be 18 or older in, to, in order to enter. I've forgotten how to talk. I don't know what's going on. And the sweepstakes ends June 14th, so get over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now in order to sign up. So quickly, let me go ahead and tell you what's coming up tonight, and then we'll close it all out. Uh, Masson 2, Orioles-Royals 740. Kyle Gibson and Zach Greinke, the pitching matchup there. Uh, tonight on GoMustangSports.tv, Matt Commonwealth tournament action, Eastern and Stevenson at 7. Loyola stuns Navy on the road last night. Advances the Patriot League semifinals where, you know, it won't be easy for them. they got to face BU, but, you know, they'll give it their best shot. Loyola with a really surprising 12-7 win in Annapolis last night. Stevenson hosts Eastern tonight at 7. Sixers Celtics game 2 at 8 on TNT. No late game tonight as they're trying to get the series that started early kind of lined back up. So tonight and tomorrow night only one game each in the NBA playoffs. ESPN's got Devils-Hurricanes game one tonight at 7. Oilers-Golden Knights game one at 9.30. Mass and Cubs Nationals at 7. MLB Network Giants-Astros at 2. Blue Jays-Red Sox at 7. Mariners-Athletics at 11. USA for Man City and West Ham United at 3 o'clock. We don't like West Ham anymore because of uh, Coach Nate. Yeah, because of Coach Son of a bad guy. He's telling you, be prepared. His redemption's coming up, man. Be prepared. I mean, he yeah, got the girl. I mean, you're pretty much he got right. the girl. He's, he's almost already. almost redeemed at this point. Correct. Like he seems like a decent guy again. He did the sweet thing where he tried to make that arts and crafts project for her. like 
dude, it's he's, but he's he's kind of a scum. I mean, he's spitting I, all over the place. I understand, just, but you can see where it's going. Yeah, he's ultimately yeah. going to end up back at Richmond as the coach. He is going to give the middle finger to Rebecca's husband or ex-husband, and he is going to come back and he's going to replace Ted. And that's the way it's. You can just see it. It's all moving into place. Uh, TBS tonight for AEW Dynamite at eight, which is live from. CFG Bank Arena. So uh, live from Baltimore for TBS and AEW Dynamite tonight. Go ahead. Do the non-sports stuff, and then we'll get back to tidbit. Okay. Okay. Um, That's right. So I guess there's no late nights again. Yeah. It is the series finale of the Goldbergs on uh, ABC. That's about five years too late. (laughs) Uh, New episode of Survivor as well. New episode of Dave. New episode of Ted Lasso. Ed Sheeran's got a documentary like series on Disney Plus. Isn't he being sued? That. Didn't we find that out? Like Ed he's, Sheeran's being sued. He's being sued because like he has a song that's too much like a Marvin Gaye song or something like that. Uh, Ed, Ed Sheeran. Sheeran lawsuit. Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Did Ed Sheeran copy Marvin Gaye? That's from CNN. Hmm. Well, didn't that's uh, how uh, what's his face Pharrell got sued right because Blurred Lines ripped uh, off a Marvin Gaye song. Wasn't that the couple just a couple I of mean, years ago? There's so much music out there. I understand. I think that was basically uh, Ed Sheeran's defense yeah. was that like, hey, all music sounds alike these days. This is the problem, right? Because Blurred Lines was actually a good song. I get that like the, the music video was pro- problematic and troublesome. And like the message is kind of troublesome within the song, but the song itself was a banger, right? It was excellent. Ed Sheeran's songs are not; they are as mediocre as mediocre gets. Galway Girl, dude, come on! I don't even know what that song is, so maybe that's a good song. That's like my brother's favorite. Every song that I've ever heard from Ed Sheeran has been equally as mediocre and forgettable as the last one. Like it is just what what Steph Curry is to shooting three pointers. Ed Sheeran is to making forgettable, mediocre music. Just utterly. Pretty much the same. I can't. (laughs) He's ripping off himself every time. I basically yes. He should sue himself for ripping himself off. It's how I feel about uh, like the girls that are obsessed with Morgan Wallen, despite the fact that he's clearly a piece of crap. His music is so mid. (laughs) Like I can understand that if like somebody's making like great music, where you're like, okay, I get that he's problematic, but. You know, like, I, ca- I kind of want to deal with it. Did you see the thing of those people that were, like, pitching up and down, like, country music artists? And they, so they did Morgan Wallen, and when they, like, pitched him up, I guess, he sounded identical to Miley Cyrus. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, and then they did funny. it with, I forget what the other one was. But his songs are just meh. And mm-hmm. I can enjoy a good pop country song. I am not stuffy that way. Like, if it's good, I will sing along to it. I enjoy some Darius Rucker, man. Like, I can mess with a pop country song every now and then. But these are just the definition of mid. Like, absolutely nothing remarkable at all about any of it. And he's a racist. And he gets drunk and skips shows. And, like, he's just not a good guy. Yeah, I know he's probably got, what, like, five songs in the top, like, 15 or 20 right now on okay. Spotify. But Pro- I can't, proudly I can say I don't think I can name it. Proctor makes a point about Ed Sheeran that I understand where he's coming from, but I'm going to make a defense of John Mayer here because Proctor says that he feels like Ed Sheeran has become the new John Mayer. Mm. And in a way, I agree with that. But at least with John Mayer, we knew there was a sheer talent that was overwhelming, right? Like, John Mayer can shred on a guitar. It's It's... He could go sit in with some of the greatest guitarists of all time and hold his own in those situations. Yes, his songs, mostly mid, like mostly forgettable. Every now and then there was a John Mayer song where you're like, 
Dude, this is actually pretty good. Oh, they're, I mean, they're all pretty good. I, I mean, I'm going to push back on that. I think there's John a lot Mary makes that are, any, anything. I think there are a lot that are mid and forgettable, but like, there's a few that you're like, this actually holds up. You have to kind of hold your nose because you realize you're saying it about a John Mayer song. I've seen John Mayer. He's quite good live, but part of that is because he is a genuinely brilliant guitarist. Like, there is a talent there that other humans simply do not have. I think Ed Sheeran is a talented fella. Like, I think he has more talent than I do, but his songs are just so ungodly forgettable. Like, just, there is just nothing there. Nothing that in 20 years we're going to be like, yeah, dude, that was kind of a banger. Or, like, we're going to hear and we're going to find ourselves wanting to sing, a, sing along. It is just as forgettable as forgettable gets. And I've never understood it in any way. Like, there is just nothing there. Anyway, Thinking sorry. out loud, I guess, is pretty good. That it's probably is. fine. It is just fine. And it's just, there's, like, the, the structure lyrically is, like, he just says, like, random sentences, right? Like, I'm thinking out. Like, he's got to move the yeah. syllables around I mean, in like, order to. Maybe that's his talent. I, I don't I'm, think I'm, it's a talent. I'm, I'm not I, trying to defend Ed Sheeran. I guess I'm just. I just think it's weird. No, I'm not saying Ed Sheeran's a racist, Proctor. I'm saying Morgan Wallen is a racist. John Mayer is also not a racist. To my knowledge, John Mayer, in fact, I think has a lot of street cred yeah. from uh, <laughs> doing the Chappelle show and all that sort of stuff. So. Um, has that song with Kanye West no one can find? Just... Yeah, that one. I don't know if it's the one that you want to highlight. Like, I don't know that you want to put that one at the top of the list right now. <laughs> I don't think that's exactly. What it was a long means. time ago. It was, it was yeah, like, it was a different time. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. It was definitely a different time. All right, um, that's it for two. Great, great British Breaking Show Junior season two ah, on Netflix and uh, Jewish matchmaking. There's a new awesome. MasterChef coming in this month, right? Like, uh, I've seen some ads probably. for. This is the problem with me not having cable anymore. Like I, it won't record for me now, mm. so I need somebody to tell me when MasterChef starts because it's the only right, shows I'll, that my wife and I like to watch together. All right, I'll make sure yeah, I please stay I'll on, be top on of it. That. Uh, Melissa McCarthy was supposed to be on Jimmy Kimmel. She's Ursula in uh, the new Little Mermaid that comes. I out did not know that. The end of this month. Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah. By the way, trivia was really easy this week. Oh, good for you. Like, literally, one of the questions was, who is uh, ha- Halle Bailey playing in... Or, or, Haley? What? Haley ha- Bailey? I thought I it was it's Haley. I don't know. Is it Haley? Who's Haley Bailey playing? No, it can't be Haley Bailey. No way. I'm pretty sure it's Halle Bailey. The way Bailey. her name's spelled... Because I'm pretty sure we, spelled, I always confuse it with Halle Berry. I'm pretty sure it's Halle Bailey. Or, is her name spelled H-A-L-L-E? I don't... Re- Griffin! There was a girl that I went to school with, and her name was spelled H-A-L-L-E, and her name I, was Haley. I refuse to believe... That her name is Haley Bailey. <laughs> I refuse that. I reject it on principle. It might be accurate, but I reject it nonetheless. It can't be the case. The point is that... Oh, Proctor, I don't remember what the question... you got to remember. send me what the motto was in order for me to ask him the question. you got to find it. Um, the, the, it was like, what Disney movie is being remade with, All of them. with Halle Bailey as the lead character? I'm like, are you serious right now? So anybody in this bar not going to get it? And is the sports guy on the team? You get very frustrated when like the sports question is this: Name the number one pick in last week's NFL draft. C.J. Stroud. Yeah, thank you. They, actually, they said you get a bonus point if you can name the number two pick. Oh and my God, everybody got the question right and the bonus point because it was the easiest what question. If you name ever. all thirty-two. Yeah, I mean, like, then we're talking, yeah. right? And then we're going. Or the last ten number one picks. Uh, there Even was there was easy. a visual question. My biggest pool of the week was there. We, they, there's a round where they just put pictures up on the screen, and you have to identify something. Like this, one of them was just the the outline. We we only went three for five. The outline of U.S. states. Oh, right. That sounds fun. Well, yeah, and like, yeah. some of them were easy. Like we got Idaho easy. We got Georgia easy. 
But did you ever know that basically Kansas and South Dakota look exactly the same? I would have had it. I went with Kansas, and it was South Dakota. Mm. Go look at them. They look exactly the same. Like, it's the damn same thing. There is no way to tell the two apart. Um, and then the, the Oregon and Washington, we screwed that up. I said Washington. It was Oregon. So I got that one wrong as well. You're looking at Kansas and South Dakota yeah. now? They're yeah. exactly the damn same. They're the same. Well, same South Dakota's got the little hook on the bottom. They, okay, dude. And Kansas is missing a little chunk yeah, in the top yeah, right yeah, corner. Yeah, yeah, They're the same. Not, I mean, Wyoming and Colorado are the exact same. Yeah. But, like, those are damn near the same. Uh, my best pool of the night was the other visual round was they just put five pictures of famous people up on the board. The first one was Kevin McHale. Got that immediately. The last one was Dave Winfield, right? Mm-hmm. And in between, Judy Garland, Winona Ryder, and then there was a fifth one, and it was this nondescript-looking white guy. And I it was, was like, Clark. Yeah, right? It's like, could it be Garrison Keeler from A Prairie Home Companion? And everybody at my da- table was like, what? Who is that? Like, you know, Garrison Keeler, Prairie Home Companion. They're looking at me like, sure. And so now I'm like, okay, because I want it to be Garrison Keeler because I know Kevin McHale's from Minnesota. And I know that Dave Winfield played in Minnesota. Uh, so they were all related to. So the, the theme, because they said there was a theme for the round, I was like, the theme could be Minnesota. So if it's Garrison Keeler, who I know is from Minnesota, this would all make sense. And so we decided we were going to go with it. And sure as F, we were right. Now, I had no idea that Judy Garlander. Uh, Winona Ryder was from Minnesota at all. I couldn't have told you that, but we as sure as that we got all of them. Yeah, because wow. were I you knew, the only one that got all of them? Uh, I, I, I think we might have been the only one that got wow. all of them. That's impressive. I think that was true. Garrison I think other people Keeler. figured out that Minnesota was the theme, but I think we we're the only one. Yeah, Proctor wants to be known for the record that he knew it was Oregon. Maybe you should have spoke up a little bit louder, Proctor. We did win, so none of this matters. But we won because Proctor got the final. The Olympic motto has always been faster, higher, stronger. But in 2021, they changed the Olympic motto by adding one word to faster, higher, stronger. What was the one word? Oh, my gosh. Faster, higher, stronger. Faster, higher, Mm -hmm. stronger. I, Mm -hmm. I have no idea. Better. You know what? You're on to something. You have an idea, and I appreciate that you have an idea for the theme. It is a word that ends in ER, but if we had gone with you, we would have been losers for the week, sadly. Proctor came up with it, and as soon as he said it, I was like, oh, my God, that's great. And he didn't know. He was just tossing words out. But the context clues. Cooler. No, think about 2021. Just think about that. The context clues of why this one word made all the sense in the world, and I said immediately, that's got to be our answer. Oh, that ends in ER. Ends in ER. Ends in ER, and then we gotta go because we're <laughs> supposed to drag this out till. Jeez. Yeah. Um. What was going on in the world in 2021? We were coming over a pandemic. Yeah. I'm trying to think. And and we were resilient, but that doesn't mm-hmm. that doesn't end in ER. And we think about we were also coming off of a year where there had been protests, right? Yes. So. So it was. We came back. Uh, better, stronger, <laughs> faster. Together. Together. Together, that which ends good, in ER. Yeah. Yep. So he said that. I said, that's the one. That is the yep, one. That's a good one. And so we won. Good job. Well because done. of that. Yeah, it was, oh, it was Proctor on that one. That one he got for sure. Good job, John. All right. Uh, he also had some guesses for the strikeout one. Remember, okay, we got, so you had Nolan we got Ryan. Ryan Clemens and Randy Johnson. He wanted to throw in both Scherzer and Kershaw. He would be incorrect. Yeah, the problem is they're both. Yeah. 
NL. Like that's yeah. It's it's one league. Did Scherzer? He was in Detroit, was obviously, in Detroit. but he wasn't there for very long. And I, but Verlander's largely been a Verlander, but I think he's largely been AL, right? Yeah, yeah. it's not Verlander. It's not Verlander. Um, Maddox was always NL. Maddox. It is Greg Maddox. How is that possible? Greg Maddox, because he was always NL, right? Like he was always. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, I guess he stuck around long enough. One thousand forty-nine. So he is third on this list. Ryan Johnson, Maddox, Clemens, and with three Oriole strikeouts of Orioles that he has not struck out before, he will be. Uh, right. He will join this list. Zachary Very good. Very good. Thanks today to Tavon Sadler, uh, Aberdeen native, now Nichols head coach. Thanks also to Rob Long, and thanks to Andrew Voorhees, seventh round pick of the Baltimore Ravens. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hit section of the. Oh my God! It's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com on the program tomorrow. Uh, Bowie. K- uh, Cade, Cade Povich. Povich. Yep, we make our weekly trip to the Bay Sox, catch up with Cade Povich. Stuff and things. Stuff and things. Stuff and things. Yes. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, A.J. Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Hartford Community College, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, and All-American Lacrosse. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks. <laughs>